Your speech was ridiculous. Anyone prefers a podcast to a weak-kneed teacher's pet. Mm, it's when true. You change your mind about podcasts, then I'll change my mind about you. I, I forgot there was a second part. I remember the teacher's pet part. Yeah. You know what I like about these? Uh, they're written out. Yeah, and also no one can say that You're I'm doing, doing a accent. bad impression. But it's probably not <laughs> what Buster Keaton sounds like. That's not him. That's the girl. I know, but then the retort. That was all her. It's all her? Yes, she's saying. She's mm. offering the ultimatum. Right. When you change your mind about athletes, I'll change my mind about you. Hmm. Yeah, sure. She's well, putting the plot into motion. That's all her. That's all her. Now, yeah, Buster sounds like this. What? What are you talking about? That's what I think he sounds like, right? <laughs> yeah, well, well, he's like this, kind of. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. He's, he's gravelly. He was gravelly. I mean, the, you know. Uh, Probably was less gravelly as a younger man. Yeah, but even still, I think he was always, he had a harsher voice than, than one would uh, imagine. Have you seen, like... You know, uh, what no beer or whatever, like the early talkies. Yes. Oh, May I come yes, in? Yes. May I come in? Yes, yes. With Jimmy Durante. Yeah. I just discovered that for the first time right. in my life. That they like forced that him they, into these they movies. Forced right. him into a, a, a two hander, three of them. What? He did, he no did beer? Three with Durant. I kind of like what no beer. What this no is beer is a great title. Vaguely it's an incredible, incredible title for a movie. It's we an incredible title. Uh, it's three movies with Jimmy Durante that were big hits. Uh, Speak Easily, yes. The Passionate Plumber. Yes. And What No Beer? What yeah. No Beer, though, is the best title. Yeah. Do they figure it out? Like, do they get beer? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a prohibition comedy. In which they start manufacturing near beer. Uh, they do get beer at the end. Yeah. Uh, right. I will tell you that beer becomes legal at the end of the movie. Yeah. And uh, they start drinking beer. And then Jimmy Durante holds a beer aloft to the camera and says, it's your turn, folks. <laughs> you know, so, so like, you know, basically saying to the audience, yeah. like, let's all drink. You know, this shit's over with. Yes. Of all the completely random duos that oh, could be imagined. It's bizarre. like they had because Prohibition two, literally ended the year it came out. Two What's different up? bingo balls full of, yes. you know, up-and-coming up stars and declining stars. Yes, incredibly. Like Jimmy Durante and Buster Keaton. And just completely incompatible sensibilities. Yeah, absolutely. There's something I find interesting about those movies because you're just like, well, this is just such a horrible comedy team, but the two of them are funny individually. But they of just course. have not much chemistry together. None. Sure. He had, Jimmy Durante had the schnoz, right? He would always talk about how big his schnoz was. schnoz was. Yeah. is very big. Right. Yes. The schnozola. Yes. Yeah. He was a talker. He was, he was a gabber. A, he was a talker, and you know who wasn't? Buster Keaton. Wasn't much of an actor, and he wasn't much of a physical comedian. He wasn't much of a sound actor. He was a great actor. Yes. You know, in 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 his way, yes. obviously. He's a great performer. Yes. But right, like, I don't but know. But he wasn't a very emotional actor. Right. No, he was a, he was a, ca a character. He was a performer. He was yeah. a character. Buster Keaton was a great actor and a terrible speaker. There's a, there's a... <laughs> when yeah, I heard him sure. speak... It's kind of bizarre. Yeah. It's, it, it was n not merely un uncanny and unnerving. Yeah. Because his, vo his voice to me sounds like this weird complaining honk interesting yeah there is something bizarre there's a rasp to there's it a, but there's something kind of sour to it yeah yeah you know and you know but when when i see his face yes it's full of depth yes and like i just think of like his voice should sound like the bottom of the ocean you it's should so sound like mandy Patinkin singing yeah for example yes it should sound like Smooth. mandy Patinkin Ooh. singing it yeah should sound like mandy Patinkin singing okay I just didn't, the, the, the voice sounds, and there's nothing against, I mean, it was his voice. What could you do? Nothing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it sounded so um, pedestrian. 
compared yes. to the depth of emotion uh-huh. that would be conveyed by his face. Yes. Even in those talking pictures and then in also the talking pictures. Yes. Uh, you know, I felt very it felt very awkward to me because his timing still seems to be based on silent films. Yes. So like he'll just sit there and react for a while yeah. and then all of a sudden he'll open his mouth like five minutes later and say the line. Well, what's funny is like What No Beer has like what? one incredible no sequence, which is basically like a, a, a sequence he's reused a couple times in his career. But there's a bit with him trying to fit into a voting booth with a large guy. Okay. yeah, And it's just funny. him having to share the space with this other guy. Uh, and it's uh, uh, a lot of fun. But you're like, oh, right. It works when the movie splits him up from Durante and puts him in a situation where he doesn't have to talk at all. Right. Um, Spite Marriage, which we'll get to uh, next week when he started with MGM, where they were like, come on, these aren't silent anymore. He still was trying to thread this needle of like, can I do like Mr. Bean style comedies? Right. Can like, I speak an absolute minimum? Right. People around me can talk. There is sync we sound in music, the movie. We can have sound effects. Right. But yeah, my yeah. character is not a talker by nature. Um, but yeah, that's, it, it does, it does throw things off. A total genius, but he's not there for verbal repartee, ha-cha-cha. No, and Ben made a good, uh, point, which is, like, where you, you were sort of asking me, you were like, so he, like, did do patter. He, like, comes from vaudeville. It's not like yeah, he didn't right. know how like, he, he, right. he had those skills. He right. did it for many years, like, since when he was a little kid. And when he does verbal comedy, you're like, he does understand where the joke is. He is, yeah. he's a good performer. yeah. But it breaks the the persona. It's just one of the many humiliations and tragedies. Yes, that 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 befell this incredible creator. Yes, that they that he had to, the circumstances were such that he had to speak in order to make money and leave the talking to us. That's if we've learned anything here. This is the place to talk That's on right. a podcast. Listen, uh, this is Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want, and sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce baby. Yep. It's a mini-series on the films of Buster Keaton. It's called Podcast Junior. Today we are talking about one of the two movies that gave this mini-series its title. Okay. Steamboat Bill Jr. Yes. And also talking about college. 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 Right. And these are his last two Buster Keaton Productions films. These are the last two films in the original sort of blank check run of uh, Mr. Skank is pay- foot in the bill. And you can do anything you want. You have complete creative control and autonomy. No one can rein you in. And How do you pronounce his name? Mr. Skank? We were corrected on this. I thought it was Shink. That's what I would have thought too. But Dana said it was Skank, right? Mr. Skank. Skank. Yeah, this skanky motherfucker. Uh, Our guest today is himself one skanky motherfucker. Hello. Uh, He's a dear friend of the podcast and of and of and of and of mine and of ours. Oh, and of America's. Oh, Skucks. uh, 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 Up up here, streaming now on Hulu. I I will I I am not uh, available to promote any uh, WGA contracted pro- uh, productions. Oh, can I promote? You certainly may. Okay. You can talk about whatever you're watching on streaming or television. Dicktown also on Hulu still. Not this is a fact. Silently. This is okay. a fact. Yes, Vacation Land is available in paperback. Vacation Land is available in paperback, okay. and uh, of course the the of course host of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Judge John Hodgman, gentlemen podcast John Hodgman, Hodgman back on the gentleman show. John. Yes, how do you do? Uh, we were trying to fill this last slot, and then I went, wait a second. 
Why not Gentleman John? J.H. He's a he's a foppy weirdo. I said Gentleman John. Let him like come Buster in with Keaton. his diamond tip cane. He's got radio voice. Anyone with radio voice probably likes Buster Keaton. Yes. Mm, yes. Right? I do yes. love Buster Keaton quite a bit. Uh, but a, but a, but a fan of the old stuff. Yeah, because I'm very elderly. Yeah. <laughs> As we established the when simpler we came times? in. Yes. Simpler times. Ben, you had a question for John. Yeah. What's I, the question, I, Ben? I wanted, I, to, I wanted to ask uh, John just, uh, you know, what were steamboats like? <laughs> Very smooth ride. Mm. Very smooth ride. Because really? very still waters. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, right. What were the snacks on board? What uh, the snack situation? Mostly sarsaparilla. Oh, okay. And Welsh rarebit. Welsh rarebit. <laughs> pickled <laughs> eggs? Pickled eggs? Pickled eggs. Yeah. All kinds of different pickles. And, um, and then there would be a poker game. Mm. And if you got caught cheating, you'd be thrown into the rotors. You'd be thrown right in. Yeah. Uh, sarsaparilla is like a... Kind of like a root beer, like right? A root, like like yeah, a root yeah, yeah. beer, yeah. I don't know if I've ever had it. Is that uh, something that gets sold these days? Surprisingly, there's there's no artisanal spot in Brooklyn making sarsaparilla. I think there would be. Well, right? yeah. but here's the thing. Unsurprisingly, you go to any comic convention of a certain size. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's one company always or there are a couple rival companies that all do this that have like a booth that looks like an old-timey saloon sure. and you sure, can sure, buy sure. an old-timey mug and get sarsaparilla refills all day. What? What? Yeah. So it's, but it's just root beer. Yeah. But it's just, But it tastes okay. like or more. Like birch beer or whatever. Yeah. Birch beer or root beer? Let's go around the horn. Ben, birch beer or root beer? Mmm, that's tough. I'm going to go with birch beer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, go to David next, because I should be last. I'm going root beer. I, I don't drink a lot of birch beer, I'm going to be honest. No. Me. That's a rare uh, confection for me to be. Uh, but yeah, no, I like root beer. Okay. Root beer's great. And uh, Griffin? Oh, who, me? Yeah. What's the question? Birch beer or root beer? Neither. What? Wow. Both are trash. No! What is my no, opinion? Trash. I don't like either. Correct answer is birch beer, but why do you think that Correct you don't care? Is birch beer? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's got spicier. Spicier. But it's like at a certain Foxton point, I'm kind of like, beer. I was looking to be refreshed here. <laughs> yes. And now I'm like, uh, I want to be slapped. <laughs> my mouth gonna, tastes like I don't wood drink, slurry. <laughs> I don't drink a lot of soda. I want to be slapped in the face. Yeah. See, both of those sodas feel like, like what's that? Spreckers? Spreckers is good. Yeah, yeah those, nice they're all kinds of strong. Suddenly a Fizzy Boys episode? <laughs> Bring it back. Fizzy Boys. You heard me, Fizzy Boys. I apologize. Yeah, Let's no, it's on. fine. Sarsaparilla. Please. John, it's sarsaparilla. I feel, like, I feel like when I had sarsaparilla at, at some yield comic convention. Sure. That's as strange as Buster Keaton and Jimmy Durante being paired together. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At Comic-Con, you're always going to have an old-timey saloon. I'm tell- People are going to say, I know what he's talking about. There's always it. a fucking booth that looks like a giant oak barrel. No, I believe you because, not to speak, not to characterize Comic-Con attendees a certain way. Read them for filth. But they are the types who are kind of like, rather than drinking alcohol for right. recreational pleasure, like many red-blooded Americans, <laughs> instead they want to overpay for some kind of like fancy pants non-alcoholic yeah. soda. Right. Right. Served by a guy in suspenders. Sure. <laughs> yes. So they can be like, thank you, sir. And they're also and wearing I'm, suspenders. They're wearing fucking suspenders. <laughs> I, not, I don't mean any, <laughs> you know, disrespect to suspenders wearers out there. Yes. Um, suspenders all the way down. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but John, I said, do you like Buster Keaton? And your response was, he is my favorite. He is my favorite. I love Buster Keaton and I... So, I 
bonded very early with Buster Keaton because you were childhood friends. Uh, we we grew, yep, we were on the vaudeville stage. <laughs> weird, weird bit for us to be doing that. John Hodgman is one hundred twenty five years old. <laughs> he said we bonded early on. I know it's funny. No, it's funny. You, you do the joke. I'm just saying, like it's funny that there's yeah. a motif of our episode. Here. Sure. Yeah. I grew up in a town called Brookline, Massachusetts. Heard of it. Where there is a movie theater called the Coolidge Corner. Oh, yes. A lovely, wonderful theater. You always shout it out. And I um, I worked there mm. for a number of years. I don't know that I knew that. Yeah. What'd you do? I did it all. I, I concessed. Mm -hmm. Ripped I tickets. Ripped. I ticket ripped. Yep. I took the money. I counted yep. the money. Stole the money. Oh. I didn't project. That's a union job. Yeah, and that especially back then, that's that's yeah. quite a technical job. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That was Harry. That was Harry Friedman. Mm. He was Got it, Harry. Yeah, and there's a number of other projectors. But uh, no, I you know I ran the I ran the hokey cat over the carpet. Uh, that's like a little carpet sweeper. Uh, yeah, I I I have one of those uh, to this day. Ran really? the hokey cat over the carpet does sound a little naughty. <laughs> well, no, that that was my that was my vaudeville show. Sure. <laughs> Want to come home and run the hokey yeah, cap over? Why don't I go back, back and I run the hokey cap over the uh, Okay, so you did it all at uh, the Coolidge Corner. I did it all, and I did thing. it all at the Coolidge Corner, and it is it is still there on Harvard Street in Brookline, Massachusetts. You should go. Mm. Um, back back in the in the the day before I worked there, when I was but a affected, pretentious uh, preteen, mm -hmm. they had a lot of repertory art house movies, mm -hmm. and they would do runs. I don't know if you understand the concept of filmographies, but no. they might show all of the movies of one director. For all example. movies exist in a silo, only to themselves. Yeah, uh -huh. and I guess they opinion. must have had. I guess they must have had all of the Buster Keaton movies in the basement mm -hmm. because they would do a Buster Keaton run. It felt like every other month. Sure, and he's just show them he's, all. Look. He's well liked. It's neat. People, people one like to Buster Keaton. Dust off, put them all up again. Especially yeah. what are we talking about? What, what years are we talking? Are we talking the nineties, the eighties? Like when when is this happening? It would have been probably the uh, nineteen twenty eight or so. Who's <laughs> <laughs> seeing them first they were run? Doing Buster retrospectives. <laughs> the guy's fucking thirty two years old. <laughs> they finally hit Brookline. No, I mean this would have been the the the, the, the so I would have been 11 12 13 so the early the early 80s. Mm -hmm. You were working the theater at 11? No, 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 I worked there later. Oh, okay. I worked okay. there seized the film. High school and college. Yes. 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 Yeah. Child. What happened in the Coolidge what, Corner? Yeah, no, but you know they, they they would show all they would show lots and lots of old old movies and they showed a lot of Buster Keaton and I would go and mm -hmm. see them. You take the green line, I assume. I would, I would take the green line. I would take the the C train. C. Yeah, the that's C. right. That's right. Wow. Goes to Coolidge. Yeah. I love subways everywhere. I understand. I love subways. I understand. Near I understand. and far. Yeah. I was just like, wait a minute. Is the new bit that you grew up in Brooklyn? <laughs> no, but you know, I, a lot of, a, a, as you may or may not, a lot of my family lives in Boston. Gotcha. I spent a lot of time in Boston, yeah. including a, 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 a wonderful summer once where I w interned at the Boston Phoenix. The now, de sure. now, now fully departed, departed completely. Yes, you yeah. know, much like the Village Voice. You know, yeah, but absolutely. back in the day, and that that was that was my alt weekly, and I listened to WFNX, their radio station, which Damn was there. Right. Alt radio station. Anyway, you you're you're uh, an early convert. Yeah, and yeah. so I, you know, I would go and see everything there, and mm -hmm. I I loved Buster Keaton uh, a lot. And mm -hmm. what I remember at the time, so I this probably was when I was like a a fresh person in high school. Mm -hmm. I went to see it, and I my memory is that Valerie Gintis's dad was the one who explained to me the sad trajectory. Of oh, Buster sure. Keaton's like, sure. 
he was on top and then you know the yeah, talkies that came he, in they yeah. put it all yeah. in context for me it's like you know buster keaton was arguably at, you know as talented if and and famous if not more talented mm-hmm. than some of the others yes charlie chaplin not my favorite. Mm. Charlie Chaplin has been bodied on almost every episode of this miniseries. I like him. I do too. I I, I am. I'm sorry. I, let me I, clarify. I, I don't want to. Ups- I'm a big fan of his personal life. I'm not crazy about the movies. <laughs> I I, I also like Charlie Chaplin. I think there have been some listeners but. who've been a little like, excuse me, like Charlie yes. Chaplin is a very important canonical director. Of course, I agree. absolutely, of he course. is. Of yeah. course. He has never really been. My guy. No, he's not. Been, no, no. Yeah, I, I watch. I'm, I'm not surprised how this important. has been coming up over and over. Yes, and over again. obviously so he I, is I the great. You know, you know, whatever. He's the great. He's the little. He's the period. little tramp. Wait, what? Yeah, he wait. He was Commonly, playing that guy the whole time. Yes. <laughs> no, because my favorite movie star, of course, is Little Tramp. Love that guy. <laughs> that guy's great. Yeah, no, that's Charlie Chaplin. Uh, I yeah. thought that's you meant Charlie, I, Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. I thought he was just like Monsieur Verdoux and like the Great Dictator. That was he it. Thought he thought he was know? the stuffy guy. The Little <laughs> Tramp always fucked with. Well, Char- Charlie Chaplin, you know, I understand why he makes all these movies. Cast himself in the most boring role. Yeah, exactly. What a Look, by the, by the yeah. time I was in high school, mm-hmm. and readers of Vacation Land now available in paperback, will know this, <laughs> was that I was a cardigan-wearing weirdo yeah, who was bringing a briefcase to school yeah, and was intent upon leaping over sexual adolescence. <laughs> right, you were just like, I'm going to barrel right to 55. Just going to skip right. it to become the gentleman bachelor <laughs> that I was destined <laughs> to be What forever. was in the briefcase? Like your homework? My papers. Like, if, yeah. <laughs> like your teacher was like, hey, do you have that paper? You were like, click, you know, like, yeah. Well, yeah. I think I have it here in this folio. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I was a fan. I was a fan of uh, of, of office products. Hey, sure. and that was what I used they instead of a backpack. And, instead of a backpack, I brought a briefcase to school. I was a le- it was a leather, soft leather satchel. Yeah, and uh, and your and fellow students they respected you for it. I was liked by everyone I met. I'll say this: I Brookline was, was a weird place. Yeah, it was yeah, absolutely true. I was, I was, you you I, did all right. I was so because I also had I also had very long hair. You you posted a photo recently. Yeah. And I wore a Doctor Who scarf. Yes. People didn't know how to get at me. <laughs> you were too. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you had kind of flooded the zone. <laughs> like it was like... just too much, too much. Like just leave him just leave him See, alone. John, I, I have always thought Doctor about Doctor Who is you. also too niche to be made fun of for in America in yes. the 70s. Yeah, it's right. like yeah. no one's gonna be like, yeah. ah, you love that fucking nerd. And what is he exactly? Is it a police box or a phone box? I don't understand. <laughs> I, what is a police box? Sorry, go on. See, John, I've always thought of you as a man of of honest eccentricities. Yeah, they they do not they do not strike me as it's not uh, affected. You're yes, yeah, sure, right. Sure, right, right, right. I, 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 no I, one goes to school in a Doctor Who scarf. When I, when I was a, a bit, like, I was, that's, when, when right. I was about thirteen, I decided I would sit down and read the plays of Athel Fugard, the South African. <laughs> Dramatist, and that was an affectation. At that moment, I'm like, "This is not this." Uh, but this is what I'm saying. This you, is you this posted is not this for photo me. recently. Yeah, and I always just oh, assume yeah. when you would tell these stories about being an ostentatious teenager, I'm like, "He's being self-deprecating. He probably wore it as well as he wears it now." And then I looked at this photo, and I was like, "I know exactly who this kid was." Yeah, I think I had long, I had long hair, and this I don't remember what, what that. Who took that photo? How you posted this on Instagram recently? I want no, to say. I know, but uh, but someone else from high school posted it. Okay, sure. From and my high school, well, you, I don't remember anything about it. Your book photo, so I think, or something. Yeah, yeah. But I'm wearing a skinny tie and a jacket. That probably was a like a school dance outfit. Oh yeah, look at you. You know, you have a bit of a Doctor Who about you. I was very yes. hoo- I was very Hoovian. Tom Baker yeah. was my guy. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and he was cool, but, you know, in his way. He was cool and definitely a gentleman bachelor. Mm-hmm. Sexless. That's the thing. The, the Doctor Who's were all sexless until yeah. the, the until reboot. They, until yeah. they rebooted. They had to be a little sexy. But, you know, then they went to um, Peter Davison, mm. the next one. who I, sexier. I knew from watching the original All Creatures Great and Small. Bit of a heartthrob. With my, with my mom and dad because mm. I was an only child. And that's all we would do is just sit around and... You know, eat dinner on our laps and watch public television. <laughs> right. He, he he's <laughs> and the same elsewhere. Doctor, right? He's, he's the he's the one with the celery stalk. He had the celery yeah. stalk, and yeah. he was wearing, and even and, and you know, he was wearing, stalk, he was wearing like a cricketing outfit. Yes, he had the, the celery stalk. Always like, struck me as like we need to put something really silly on him because otherwise this guy's kind of just handsome and normal. Just like, yeah, that's, guy. that's sure. when I turned off. That's when I yeah. turned oh, off Doctor like Who because I was like mm, too sexy for me. Right, but but you should have you should just clung on. Gotten to Sylvester McCoy or whatever. Yeah, no, I I really lost. Like we're gonna cast cast a grouchy toad as this guy. And BBC was like, enough. You're cut off. No more Doctor Who's. So yeah, no, I you know I would wear a cardigan for an evening and go mm-hmm. go to the go to the movie house as it was called then the Cold yes. Corner Movie House, sure, the pictures, and see these things. And maybe it was John Wolfe's father. Actually, I think it might have been. I maybe conflating the weird the weird and wonderful dads that I got to know through my friends, who sort of who talked about how Charlie Charlie Chaplin retained creative control. Okay. And yes. Buster Keaton lost it. And mm-hmm. kind of lost everything as a result. Mm-hmm. And I had always heard the story was what I remember for a long time was that he he didn't retain ownership of his films, but it wasn't that. It was that he he gave up, like he stopped making films for himself and he started working. For he money. signed a deal with MGM, but also I mean, we did we find this in in JJ's research from one of the earlier episodes that he never actually really owned serious stake in Buster Keaton Productions. No, because it was a company that was founded for him by Skank. He got skanked. He got skanked pretty hard. Real hard because, right, like Skank eventually signs a deal. Initially, they're being distributed by Metro, which is associated with MGM at a certain point. Uh, and then Skank signs a deal with UA, right. United Artists, in the in its fledgling Charlie right. Chaplin, Mary right. Pickford, those guys. Please don't mention uh, that name again. Sorry, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Little Tramp. Um, Mary Pickford is fine. She's That's right. Yeah. And who was the other one? You know, uh, Douglas Fairbanks. I yes. Think. Yeah. And um, and that's you know those are the, those are the last ones. This is the, these ones we're watching. We're all United Artists. Yes. And and same with General and Navigator. General Navigator College, Steamboat Bill Jr. Am I wrong about this? Are the four UA ones? Uh, I have to look it up. Badling Butler was not. Uh, General was so yeah. yes exactly yeah, yeah. right. Um, and but, then yeah, of so course and this, then real yes. MGM you know like he's actually being signed like as a company player by MGM for the right the and it, and it was a classic. Uh, no, we're not. We want you to do your thing. Come aboard. Right. Come aboard. We, right. We, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah, play it in the space. Yeah. And and he makes. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about this all next week. But he makes two more films kind of his way, and one of them he's already starting to get bent out of shape right. and then they start going we tell you what you do yeah you yeah. do jimmy durante movies you do a film like this you do a film like that and that's when i think he you know uh really kind of what wallowed in depression whatever yeah. the case john wolf's father or mm-hmm. val Gintis's father mm-hmm. framed it as a tragedy yeah and that was music that, that right. was you a, love that, sad that, music of course to the ears. it's Hodgman so yeah, yeah absolutely it's like oh this guy you know there, there was there was one guy who went straight to the top mm-hmm. And this guy was a, 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 a flawed and failed 
I, he was failed by others. Yeah. Underdog. And that was immediately, it's like, oh, that I'll, I'll, I'll watch him for the rest of my life. Right. I'm and just, that probably framed all of my intake of Charlie Chaplin, even sure. at the Coolidge, because I was always like, that guy won. Buster Keaton lost in this cosmology. And I did, I mean, I do find Charlie Chaplin to be a little bit mawkish and sentimental. Mm -hmm. Right. I whereas understand. Buster Keaton is funnier and I think more deeply emotional. And the, th the other thing about Buster Keaton is that, you know, he, he could also play a foppish affected yes. creep. Incredibly well. And, and, you know, in all of his vulnerability, mm -hmm. which you see, it's all over his face. The fact that they call him stone faces, I'm sure you've, it's been discussed. It's like, it's a crime to say that. Right. He's one of the the best actors of the face of all time. Yes. Like incredibly so, emotive. Totally, yeah. totally. And it's sure. like for for all of the vulnerability and the sweetness and the yearning yeah. that he can convey in that face, he's equally good at conveying disdain, Pomposity. condescension, yes, uh, disgust at other yeah. people, and those those the, the, that's all my wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yearning and condescension. Both sides of the coin. Yeah. I think also. I mean, it's I feel the like coin I of the Hodgman realm. Read some quote to this effect, but I think it also pissed him off that as his creative freedom was taken away, and Chaplin remains top of the world. Chaplin's sort of, yeah. output does, does. slows down so much. That's the thing. And Chaplin he was just only like, makes a couple more movies. Right. Yeah. So there's like 20 years of his life where Chaplin's like making three films. And he's like, I'd be making four a year if they'd still let me. You right. know? Because it's it's City Lights and Modern Romance that yeah. are the ones Chaplin is modern making times. in the 30s. Modern Times. Yeah. Not Modern, modern Romance. Modern Romance is a, one of the funniest Albert movies Albert Brooks movie. Very yeah. good movie. Yeah. Uh, no, those two, where he's making them out of step with their... their he's Correct. making silent films for a talkie generation. Right. And they are... Those are two great films, and that's exactly uh, and what they are he would have loved sort of to very have interesting, right? Kept doing, and, and they're obviously made at a very high yes. production scale. Right. And then he does Great Dictator, obviously, which is doesn't right. talking Great Dictator, uh, um, and that's it. And then Monsieur Verdu is like years later, and that's after Limelight. he's fled the country, and well, Limelight, and then the the that. Brando one, and Keaton's Countess in Limelight, of, isn't he? Keaton's in Limelight, right? Yeah, yeah. But he's not in it enough. Right, yeah. that's how you put it to me. It's well, like it's you, you. You almost want it to be a two-hander, but that's not quite. You the vibe. do, and it's also. It, it, I've never seen that. They're, they're old comedy partners, and they reunite for a final performance at the end, and it's a good extended sequence. But it should be the greatest sequence of all time. And yeah, but you can study it and go like, it is there are a lot of theories that Chaplin sort of knifed uh, him a little bit to the detriment of the movie itself. Yeah, knifed him. Knifed him. Chaplin's a knifer. Yeah. Um, the Great Dan Stevens, author of uh, Cameraman, now available in paperback, uh, was saying, and I, I do think this is correct, the last 10, 15 years of his life were a bit of an upswing. There's the great yeah. tragedy that he did not get to maintain what he was doing for the entirety of his career, but the MGM period is really where he's just, like, fucking depths of despair. But he is making successful he films. Is. And we'll talk about this. Many of them are hits. Well, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But it's right. not anything that he's known for and it's not anything that he's created. No. It's the creative he, authorship. When you see him next to Jimmy Durante, he does not seem like a happy person. No. Uh, what? No beer? <laughs> Sorry. I just love the idea there of is, in college going is the, to the uh, picture window. You know. Being oh, like, hey, one, one for what? No beer? And they're yeah. like, huh? One for what? No beer? <laughs> like you gotta hit the intonation. <laughs> Otherwise, at the Coolidge, we would never sell you a ticket unless you did you the. Gotta whole thing. Hit, you gotta hit the punctuation. Wait, I'm what's pull up? it up here, but I feel like in college, there's college. a scene where he goes to his dorm room and there's a sign behind him that says "What no beans." Yes, I saw that. 
I made a note of that. Right, and then I was trying to dig of, like, are both of these riffing on some phrase of the time? Oh, it could be like a Burma shave, like some old piece of advertising or something like that. Was what no beans a thing and is what no beer riffing on that or both of them riffing on something else? Old college signifier, like a straw boater and a fur coat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. What no beans? Someone look it up. I should have done that. Had you seen both of these films before? Yes. Well, Steamboat Bill Jr. is my favorite. Okay. And I was very, very happy to oh, get that one. I'm glad you nabbed it. Yeah. And I'm glad this has worked out well with always just kind of getting their favorites. Yes. Yeah. And college, I, I I had not seen because I would remember having seen it. I certainly had not seen college. Uh, uh, blah. I think college is the worst of his speech. It's I, terrible. I do have it ranked as the worst buster I it's have got watched a couple thus far. Good things in it. It's just weirdly formless for this late in his like having watched. Things like the general and yeah. um, the navigator and uh, fucking yes. you know uh, uh, Sherlock Junior. Obviously, yeah. I'm just sort of like it's weird that this is just kind of back to very very sketchy kind of. Well, in your in your episode with with uh, Dana, mm-hmm. yeah. you talked about how Buster Keaton really prefigured a lot of uh, cartoons. Yes, and as well specifically Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. and this that the extended sequence in college mm-hmm. where he's. Trying out all the sports, yes. To me, felt like a dull Looney Tune, yes. like you know, one of those things where it's like there's just a series of vignettes, and each one has a gag built in, and you know, uh, uh, El- you know, Porky Pig's gonna try all the sports. Look, I'll say this, right? I made this comment in the Dane episode, and, and people were pushing back on it, uh, saying that Looney Tunes are more the descendants of Buster Keaton, and the early Disney shorts are more the descendants. Of Charlie Chaplin. I don't know where Was people are pushing back on you. I said. I mean, it's the kind of thing that will, will you know, really start fights. Saying stuff like that. No, there were, there were the goofy shorts of, I feel like, the, the 40s, the 50s, maybe, the color shorts. Yeah. Where it's goofy, like, trying out yeah. different sports. That's maybe, that's what I'm thinking of. Because really. Because I laughed at Looney Tunes. Right. And, and, and I didn't laugh at Goofy. They would kind of never do something this mundane. Yeah. There was that point where Goofy sort of becomes like he's your like bumbling kind of like suburban everyman. Right. Before they totally domesticated him into George Geef, uh, a subject Connor Aleph could talk to you about for hours. I, I, I am so un, uh, historically and contemporarily sure. disinterested in Disney animation. Yeah. Of those characters. Sure. But you this, know what I mean? That like, whole I, section, I never saw a Goofy. I never yeah, saw a Mickey Mouse. Either. I never saw any of those. That whole care. section feels like some real Goofy shit. But it sure. also, it's just that moment where you go like... You're absolutely right, and I take back what I said. Because so, it is an aspersion against Looney Tunes, which yeah, are brilliant. Right. Bugs Bugs would be more radical if he were... I you place him in the Olympics? I don't like Goofy. He's a, go he's a kind of a goof. I don't like his vibe. He's weird. What's his deal? I just don't like him. What do you think of Goofy. I mean, he seems like kind of a dumbass. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I don't know. That would be great. Like, that would be great if they like introduced a new guys. character called Dumbass. <laughs> this and is for the first time introducing a new character to its core lineup. I like Dumbass in and it's 60 like, years. It's totally like goofy, I like but Donald worse. Duck. That's it. Donald Duck's very That's Donald the only Ducks, one I like of those. Donald guys. Duck's got got a character. Yeah. Donald Duck gets frustrated. Donald Duck. 
you know, is angry at the and, world. And, then I, and I grew up with the Duckiverse as well. That right. was very hot when I was a kid. The, hey, sort of hey, the, the Scrooge the duck and books. all these guys. I take it back. Of course, of course, Duck you know, Tales, yeah, Ducktales. And I, you know, you know I, I played uh, uh, Rocker Duck on Ducktales, the reboot, the new one, oh, which, which was an incredible one? experience. Yeah. Who? I'm sorry to not know who that is. Rocker Duck, John Jacob. Make sure oh, you're right. like Rockefeller? Yeah. Were you a rival then? You're like a okay. Scrooge's rival? I just rival? want to make sure I get the character's name right before. Rock-a-duck. Rocker Duck. Rocker Duck. Um, yeah, Rocker Duck. Donald's the one I like the most. John D. Rocker Duck. John D. I played John D. Rocker Duck, who was, yes, who was one of Uncle Scrooge's rivals and was, I was the first person to ever do a voice for that character in the United States. That's exciting. He'd What's never been a character in the books before. What's that? Was the only character in the books before? Yeah, he never and made he disappeared. Animation? He disappeared yeah. in the American. Okay, but in Italy and throughout Europe, in mm -hmm. the Donald Duck comics, he's yes. still a major interesting foil Pico? for Uncle Scrooge McDuck in Italy and throughout Europe, but never over here. So yeah. that was very exciting for me. So I that's great. I also take back my aspersions against Disney. Fucking no, there's stuff Donald I like Duck. there, but sure. but yes, uh, and Goofy's Goofy, just like an asshole. Goofy, look, Goofy, Goofy's a goof. He's a goof. Yeah, Goofy, yeah, he but, says he's a goof, but I think he might just suck. They should call him Sucky. Goofy's kind of like Madonna, where every four years there'd be like a radical reinvention, and right. some of them really suck. I think they're funny periods of Goofy, but they'd be like, forget it. Goofy's a different thing now. And then, like, truly, I'm not. What are the phases of Goofy that I'm missing here? There was truly this period where they were like, his name's not Goofy anymore. His name is George Geef, and he's uh -huh. like fucking Ozzy and Harriet, mm. just like white picket fence dad. And what uh, period would this have been? Fifties. Oh okay. yeah, I'm seeing this. Sure, like George yeah. Geef sucked. He kind of has like a you know a bow tie and a suit. Right. And he's like a you know he's sort of a hapless. The fifties. <laughs> okay. Dad. This like a Fred well, McMurray. See, I obviously watched a Goofy movie when I was a kid. I owned it. I think incredibly good. Uh, which I do remember being pretty good, but he is not like funny in it because he's just like an exasperated single parent. Well, I and think his son his son is like a his skateboarder a, yeah, type. Yeah, he wants to be cool and be the rocker and I like, think what works well in that film is they take the character of Goofy as he exists in the public consciousness and use that as a projection of how embarrassed any teenage boy is of right. their father. But then I think I just watched that movie and I was like, I too would be embarrassed of this fucking Correct. guy. He right. is it is it is uh goofy skin as hell. Right, yes. exactly. <laughs> It's hard to be cool when your dad is goofy. That's the tagline for a goofy movie. Yeah, and I can't disagree. That's yeah. pretty good. The opening good. of that movie, have you seen that film? A goofy movie? Yeah. No. The opening of that movie, the titles come up and they say, Walt Disney Pictures Presents. And then in very formal letters, it says, a movie. And you go, okay, I think I know what I'm watching here. And then, John, you would not believe what happens next. Uh-oh. <laughs> a big splat of goofy. The word goofy. Splats onto it. Yeah. Probably in a different font, right? It would Not be a cool if the movie font. was just called A Movie. I was excited. Yeah, you were like, I went, finally. Now, look, I think that what's happening here is we're talking around college because yeah. it's not that interesting. Listen, That's there was something here. that really made me laugh in college. Okay. And you will understand, okay. given the entire, everything that you know about my biography now, yeah. you will know that I really loved him getting up there going, here's my talk. The Curse of Athletics. Sure. Oh, right, right. I it, mean, it opens with that, basically. Yeah. So he's just graduating from high school, and he walks through the rain with his mother. Yes. No one likes him. He's a mama's boy. His suit shrinks in the rain. His, his suit shrinks because he's sitting next to the radiator. Yes. 
because he's all wet from the yes. rain. And oh, radiator. I didn't realize that's what happened. Buttons start popping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then he gets up because he's the he is the valedictorian. Right. And everyone else in the school is, loves sports because all normal humans love sports right. so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And they give meaning and shape to humans' lives. Right. Yeah. And they're more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. Except Buster Keaton gets up and says, I'm going to give a speech on the curse of athletics. And I'm like, I am here for I know. This. I was I was so all... I was like, why do I have like no positive memories of this one? This one's like blanked from my mind. This setup is so fucking good. Yeah. And I'm like, we're drilling down to the core of the thing, right? Right. That Buster Keaton does not understand the rules of masculinity in society. Right. Shit I could not relate to harder. And Absolutely. he's doing the fucking smooth criminal lean. Uh, the oh, yeah. lean as he's is so this funny. This first 10 minutes are good. Yeah, they yeah. are good. Yeah. And they set up such a good dynamic. You have also the bit early where like he gets rained on, right? You know, there's all that the, stuff. The umbrella. The in the... Yeah, exactly. He's got some umbrella business. Some umbrella. But here's like the first beat where I start to go like, does this movie have its eye on the ball? Right. To use some sports analogy. Sure, sure. Sports. Right. Wow. Uh, Athletic he, mind virus, gotcha. He walks it. He walks in with his mom, yeah. right? His suit shrinking. You yeah. get it. This guy under the boot of life should have should have shrunk more. Should have shrunk more. Was yes. it? See, uh, that's that comic we stand. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just thought it was a bad suit. Yeah, it didn't. It wasn't clear. It wasn't clear that it, well, it, it was shrunk. bad. It but part of its badness is that it reacts that poorly to the uh, the conditions around him. If, you're, if wool, you're wearing a full woolen suit, right. rat time. Come right. on. Um, but he walks in. Uh, his sweetheart, his beloved, right, is is. What is the name of this character? Mary, and she's played by Anne Cornwall. All right, it Mary. is my favorite thing about uh, these movies, and a thing I think modern movies should bring back is uh, not this one, but so many of them in the credits. The characters are just uh, credited as a boy, his girl, <laughs> his sweetheart, <laughs> yes, yeah. her yeah. father, and he has a name. He does, yeah. yeah. Ronald. His name is Ronald. 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 Yes. Yes. But uh, good nerd name. He walks in. She's being chatted up by this his romantic creep. rival, right? Yeah. This creep, this oh, sort of blue blooded Jeff. jock creep. Yeah, and she's very handsome guy, though. I have to say, Harold Goodwin took yeah. him seven years to graduate high school. Though <laughs> this guy's a fucking fool. Yeah, uh, she seems disinterested by him. Yeah, Buster Keaton walks in looking a fool yeah. in a shrunken suit, and she's so excited to see him. Of course, and you're like, "This is interesting." Okay, she's He's like, she sees his yeah, value. Yeah, yeah, right? Just loves the nerds. And he gets up and gives you this. You think I wasn't Mister Popular of with course, my, I've seen my the pictures in my fedora and my Doctor Who hat and my long hair? I got I I was asked out on some dates after choir practice. Okay, Go on, keep it in your pants. Man. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to revise history. I'm trying to tell it. He gets up. He starts giving this monologue. And then she just turns on him. Out on him. What a betrayal. I like, agree. I'm sorry. Could you define what you liked about him previously and how that was a betrayal? <laughs> yeah. How did this, how did you not see the curse of athletic speech not coming? Because so far, this guy, all of this seems in character with this guy as I've met him. You right. just can't say stuff like that. Okay. I mean, Especially on campuses. You can't, you can't, you can't say anything on yeah. campus. Yeah. But anymore. she immediately. Turns on him. Disgusted. Yeah. No, the the line I, I butchered in the opening where I mean, she's just the whole like, audience turns on him, to be clear. It's not just her. No yes. one is happy with his speech. The in the in the world of the film. But I get that. It's right. Yeah, yeah. But you're decision. like, why is she not sticking with what him? What changed in her? And then she's just like, fuck off until you understand what's good about sports. And here comes the second big betrayal. Yeah. He decides to be into sports. Yes. He goes back on his speech. 
the, all those old men on stage shook his hand. The modern version of this movie, and I just kept watching it going like expecting this to happen. And right. then I was like, oh, it's 1928. They haven't developed this trope yet. Right. The modern version of this movie, when he gets to college, he meets a nice girl who likes him for who he is. And he spends the whole movie pining over this asshole lady who told him become a jock or get or go right. bust. She's the red herring. He's not going to stick At with some that. Right. He realizes, sure. oh, the person who liked him for who he really was. Exactly. Right. And it's like this character is weirdly both of them both at the same time. Right. She just changes her mind a lot. Right. But then, yes, you go like, oh, okay, this is kind of like fun structure for like a bunch of buster shorts. Now he has to learn every sport. And then yeah. once it actually starts in practice, you're like, this is not that engaging. No. You just put him on a new field and yeah. he just does some new silly things. And the things yes. are not silly enough. They're not no. quite, the bits were just not robust enough um, and for know, me to and, really be whatever. I mean, here's, amused. Here, here's <laughs> what I'm, here's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay. Obviously Buster Keaton is legendary for physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Kid, Careful. Kid could take a kid could take a fall. We're not okay. a college campus, but you might get canceled for what I you're mean, about you're to say. You're saying some wild stuff so far, but okay. Go on. Right? Yeah. But to me, mm -hmm. that is that is the 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 broad physical comedy, even yeah. though he was incredibly capable of it. Yes. That's the least of the appeal. The behavioral the, stuff. It it's the it's the gentle lean on the stage. Mm -hmm. You know, where it's very controlled body movement, it's the funniest thing. Yes. Right. Whereas running time and time again to try to jump over a high jump and just mm -hmm. not making the jump right. is stupid. Right, that's the problem. I think this setup just becomes... Like, he'll get more laughs with a side eye yes. from me and humanity yes. than trying to do a pole vault and not making it's, it. The comedy ends at he's bad at this. Yeah. Right. There's no, there's no story, like, no story or emotion. No, I think that is justifying any of this other than we established a premise, which is this guy can't play sports, but he feels like he has to. Right, like I think the the soda shop sequence is a bit of an uptick. Of course, it's the only other good scene in the it's film. It's so much more controlled because I mean, here's this other part of the film is. He does not come from And I'm money. a big fan of flair soda jerking. Yeah, well, who isn't? Yeah, and, yeah I mean, and a let's bit bring of business before I get my sarsaparilla. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I almost thought this the fucking senior soda jerk was Humphrey Bogart. When he Look, came on screen, wild. I he thought does, it was him. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. He's and got also, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Before Bogart becomes Bogart... Yeah, but you know, he Bogart, played all these sort of like blue-blooded country club assholes. But he wasn't he wasn't that old. <laughs> he, I know this guy looks already like he's in his thirties. I know. Or whatever, I'm know? saying yeah. at first at first glance, I was like, "Is this no. twenty two year old?" Bogart? I will also say, if yeah. I'm a Buster fan at the time, yeah, and fucking like seven years into his career as a feature maker, basically, he's like, "I'm going to college." I would have been well, like, "Buster, this is the biggest thing. You're not you, you you're too old for college." He, lo he, lo he looks. First of all, ancient in this film. Yes. He's only 32, but he looks yeah. like an old man. Yeah. But talk about City Miles. Yes. Also, also, this kid's jacked. This kid's in incredible physical incredible condition. Physical That's the other yeah. reason you can't believe it. When he's out, he's not he's not jacked. He's not like huge. But he's got like a swimmer's body. He's sinewy. Yes. He's yes. obviously very capable mm -hmm. at he's probably the most gifted physical human being. On that field. Yeah, yes. he probably would be good at athletics. That's yeah. true. Right. Yeah. Well, he's like, small. He's slight. He loved he's baseball. A little, this he, is the thing that we're talking about. All he did in his downtime was play baseball. Yeah. 
And I can't remember if it was this movie or Steamboat Bill Jr., but one of them got delayed. The production got delayed because he was playing baseball like the day before they were supposed to start filming. Broke it. his nose or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, he loved baseball and his friends were like, he could have been a professional baseball player. He's so I don't short. Doubt it. They're, well, he's too short. They have, a whole spe- they have a whole spot for that kind of person on yeah. a baseball uh, Sure, sure, sure. Eddie horse. Yeah, the short stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's David, the I know shortest sports. of the stops. Yeah. On the baseball pitch or whatever, they the have a short stop only. area. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was a second baseman. We should. Say, I mean, I don't know how much. I we, was a third baseman. That's a that's a very tough position. Yeah, I sat in the stands with the mothers. Um, <laughs> with the mothers, <laughs> I did. We caught up on a lot of. No, things. No, no, I know. There was always that boy. I had a friend George in mm-hmm. elementary school, and he was that kid. Yeah, who would just hang with the moms, you know? Yeah, not even in athletics, just in the playground, just Same. generally. Yeah. yeah, I was I mean, very interested. Can in I get you anything? <laughs> I'd make them describe you know, the plots of R-rated films. We're all out here picking our, you know, which Power Ranger, you know, we yeah. all are in George's. Yeah, catching up with the mums. Yeah. But you were saying Sodajerk. Uh, Sodajerk. Uh, no, that sequence is so good because it's more the... Um, uh, Buster is best is so good at setting up multiple points of tension and stakes, right? Of ways he can fail and how he can overcome it and all of this. And what we're talking about is, like, these sequences where it's just, like, uh, here he is, uh, track and field, he's going to do it wrong. Right. And the stakes are, he's trying to get good at this. Right. But it doesn't really feel like there's more surrounding, right? Right. Uh, and and I, I don't think much of this woman, who's so quick to discard him, <laughs> I don't care that much about him impressing her. Damn. But, like, even just the soda jerk sequence, there is a, it's a job. He's got a boss now who's tisk tisking, right. right? He's got to do this right. Uh, uh, he doesn't want them to know he's working a job because everyone else in this film comes for money. He does sure. not. He has to work his way through college. So he has to also hide when people he knows come into the soda shop. Um, but, but even just there's, this, uh, there's a nuance to uh, he's watching this flare soda jerk. Yeah. He wants to be like him. Yeah. But he knows he doesn't have that ability. And so he's trying to find the smallest scale tricks he can do. Yeah. It's funny. I'm, it's I'm funny trying about to it, thinking about see it right him now. work through it. Mm. Um, of course, the other job he gets is the worst part of this movie. Right. And what I think is so often, like, you know, most of this movie's reputation is like, this is the only film in which Buster does blackface. Yes. And in which he himself wears blackface. There's some minor incidents of people wearing blackface in other movies, in right? Supporting roles. Um, but in which he and Navigator wears has the end sequence that's uh, not good. No, although right, but, those but are in the other actors, films, they're right. they're pretty short sequences, and they they do not most of the time feel very uh, racially pointed. You have the Sojourk sequence, which is fun, and you're like, well, this is a fun track of he needs to keep finding jobs and working jobs. I'm a little more into this than the athletics. Yeah, right. And then the second time they cut, and that sequence has this beautiful full circle thing where he at the end just takes the help wanted sign and puts, puts it out it right himself out. and yeah. walks out, right? And then like 10 minutes later, the movie just like Iris is in on... Uh, sign wanted colored waiter and you just go like Jesus fucking no, Christ please. yeah right exactly right. you're just yeah. sort of like biting like your tongue for the next 10 minutes waiting for this thing uh, to end um, so then when it goes back to the sports from there it's a little bit of a, a respite but I think, I think we're talking around here uh, in terms of the context of this movie and like why is he doing a college comedy at 32 right. why does this feel so much less sort of like formally intelligent than the movies leading up to this 
is that The General was his big fucking blink check movie. Yeah. And it bounces. Yes, right. it hadn't worked. Yes. Uh, he had to downside. The other thing, and I, I'm cracking up the dossier here, is yep. that college movies were hot. This is because college was hot. It was like right. the people safest, be, were going to college all of a sudden. It was the right. safest you know? comedy genre he could have done. Right. Subgenre is right. college comedy. You got, you got, of course, Harold Lloyd's The Freshman. That's sort of the most famous college which movie, which outgrossed all of Buster films by many multiples. Was so far and away the biggest of that era. Look, the campus flirt. I believe we cool. that came up on a box it office did. game. Yeah, Brown of Harvard. Yes, the quarterback. Yes, these are young, hot college young, comedies. Young Hodgman at Yale. Right. <laughs> Do you still have a scarf? Uh, of course I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They let me keep it. Can you talk about <laughs> I am. I am timeless. I am ageless. I did start oh, a silent. Uh, a silent comedy. <laughs> yes. right, right, right. In the in the late twenties, young. You talk about him looking ancient in this movie. I was thirty five. I think more than anything, it's the same thing that you find in the later MGM movies of just he looks defeated. Yeah. There was this energy to him of him being like, I guess I have to do this. Right. You know, and even yeah. though he's still doing silent he his, comedy, he put in his that, he put as much heart. And thought into the making of this film as he did to titling it. Yes. College. He's just like, I just, get, we'll call it college. I guess this is what they want. Right. And then, like, this movie is a big hit. Right. In a way that's kind of depressing, where it's oh. just like, he just said, well, like, here, is this, please, um, you just want this out of me? Yeah. Buster goes to college. And everyone's like, yes, that's exactly what we want. Buster goes to college. Some context here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of his writers, his gag guys, mm-hmm. had moved on. Clyde Bruckman, yep. who I believe is specifically. The character in the X-Files is specifically an homage to that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name. Remember yeah. Clyde Bruckman from the X-Files? Peter Boyle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of the other guys had too. So he brings on two writers who he hated mm-hmm. in classic Buster style. Yeah. Froze them out. Basically wrote this whole movie himself. Right. And uh, also uh, Harry Brand, uh, mm-hmm. who is um, Buster's publicist, mm-hmm. was also brought in as a writer. And uh, that made their relationship very tense. Um, these are all basically, this is all sort of to say like the, the foundation of Buster's whole operation is sort of going away. Yes. Like this guy, lots of people have their hands in, Yeah, you know, and like his classic writers have all moved on cause they've experienced success at this point. He's fucking up his relationship with his publicist. You know, it's all getting a little grim. Yes. Um, and, and James Horn, James W. Horn, who they the, hire as the, the director, director mm-hmm. uh, to sit in the chair, right, quote unquote director. Absolutely it, useless to yeah. me, Buster says. He was the, this is the most dismissive he is of any of the people yes. who, who co-directed his pictures. Um, yeah. Harold Goodwin, who plays handsome Buster's rival, uh, Jeff, also said Jeff. that Jimmy Horn sucked. Yeah. And didn't do anything on set. Uh, so, and you know. This, and again. This is not a well-directed film. No. Compared to... No, it just... Yeah, right. Because it doesn't have the sort of flow of his It doesn't have films. flow. The, right. the shots have no real imagination. It just all feels very obligatory and and, yeah. and, and sad. I kind of like the sequence. I mean, it's got stuff. It's, it's got, got some stuff. stuff. I kind of like the, the sort of hip-hip hooray sequence where they're throwing him up and, and it looks like he's a peeping Tom through the window. Yeah. <laughs> And then he starts using the umbrella to try to explain himself. And they slow the they slow the yeah, film down like because the little, umbrella works that's just got like a, little a parachute. Bit of the filmmaking ingenuity of him actually yeah, having hundreds, fun. hundreds of children died trying to emulate that. Yes. It, by the way, that's a little thing I got in my dossier. It's hundreds nice of to see Snits again. I was going to say it's always nice to see this man. Snits the Edwards, dean here, who is the dean here? Oh yeah, he plays the lawyer in Seven Chances. 
Yep. And what's the other? Uh, Battling Butler's the other one he's in. Uh, he is in Battling Butler as yes. his manager or whatever. He's become our our MVP of of the Buster the Repertory yeah. Company. He's just got a lot of face, as we. He's got a lot. He's got of an face. incredible face, and you introduce him as uh, Dean Edwards, uh, of course, former SNL cast member Dean Edwards. Uh, uh, yes, Dean Edwards. Right at this point, I'm sort of hooting and hollering of like, "Oh, great, we got we got Snits in a prime position." Right. And I think there's a little juice when he re-enters. There's the scene where I, I mean, his dynamic is more fun. Where he comes in and he's like, "This place is fucking lousy with athletes. Right. I want this to be." a place of academia, right. of thought. Right. And he thinks Buster or, or, or Ronald is going to come in and make this a slightly more intellectual he's school. he's against the athletic mind virus. Right. Right. Uh, and so he's, he's disappointed that yeah. Ronald only wants to do the athletics. And then there's the scene where he finally calls him in kind of Rushmore style and goes, why are you failing out of every class? And he's like, because I'm signed up for every fucking team. And Snitz relates to him. He has this line about like, I understood it. I want to be a selective bachelor, and it's why I'm still single today. <laughs> right, because I was stubborn. Bachelor, a stubborn, right. Yeah, I was right. too stubborn, I guess, to choose a bride. I found that yes. whole, I mean, he, he, he understands that Buster Keaton is heartsick, and that, right. that, that's why he's doing it. And he's this. like, I want to set him up for success. I'm going to rig the row team, the yeah. rowing team, to... He's going to become a coxswain. A cox he's small. Swain. He makes sense to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Coxswain. Coxswain, right? <laughs> guys, <Ben>? okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you have this dumbass sort of dumbass like, coxswain, right, Ben? Dumbass yeah. coxswain. What does he say? What does he do even? Just says row. Just says row and apparently steers the boat. No, the coxswain, you know, they they motivate and they, no, they give specific instruction. They like hold a, the stopwatch? Uh, I mean, no, they, I well, they have these, to wear it. Oh, they wear it. I think yeah, these days also, coxswain. there's better. Okay. Well, Griff, what's, cox, what's your question? When he shows gotta, up, you gotta have gets, a megaphone attached to your head, you fucking dumbass coxswain. <laughs> he gets the a name megaphone face wrong. Don't even uh, get their own seat. When they he shows up to the it. team, he says, I'm a, and he, it's not, I'm a coaxial or something like that. That would be a little. Let me try and find it. That does ring a bell. Yeah. Would be a, it would be anachronistic if he said, I'm That's a coaxial. I'm trying to remember what the word is. Yeah. It's when he tries to identify himself to the team. Right. But they, of course, they try to give him a sleeping potion and knock him out to embarrass him. Classic. The, the, the coach roofies, roofies him. Roofies him. Roofies him. Right. But, acts, but the teacups get switched. And, like, this is right when Jeff is also, like, basically holding her hostage. This is the like, weirdest in, fucking dynamic. We're, we're cutting between these two things that are happening. Right. He gets, he gets uh, expelled. Right. Jeff. Jeff the, uh, gets expelled. He shows up off to her camera. dorm room, which is uh, uh, absolutely no man allowed. Off limits to men. Very uncool in the 1920s right. to be showing up in a dorm room. So just a woman's cool dorm, yes. to just show up in the first place. But beyond that, he shows up, locks the door behind him. Yeah, goes, I have been expelled, and I refuse to leave this room until you also drop out of college. Right. He's like holding. Or her they discover hostage. us, and she will be expelled. Right. If he is seen there. Right. You're going down with me. Yes. Yes. This is the most convoluted cover-up for what is obviously supposed to be sexual assault. But it's also, yes, a scene that is, like, upsetting. It's like, the energy upsetting. of it is just, like, counteracting the comedy of the movie as we're cross-cutting to, like, sleeping man. Right. Yeah. And there, at, a, at no point is he aware, is but, but Ronald aware that this is happening Ronald calls himself the coaxer. I found it. I, was, I think that's kind of I was trying funny. to find it. That, the coaxer. It's kind of funny, but you know what? Oh, Axial's better. I was hoping for more. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping yeah, for man. more. Coaxer. Sorry, you were saying. The whole, the whole sequence is between this boat race. Mm -hmm. Yes. That Ronald has to win. Yeah. 
or else rowing will be done at Clayton or whatever. Right, right. They don't be win the end this of race. the rowing yeah. program. The school's pride, and is they're on in line. like old Iron Bottom or something. You know, they're in this funny sounding right. Right. boat. Right. Their hope is that he would pass out so that they could use the actual coxswain, but instead, because the other guys pass out, he has to do it. Right. Because they do a switch of the. There's a switch of the teeth. One of the yes. teeth is is spiked. Right. They have cups of tea, mm-hmm. and it's a switch that is so unimaginative. It's basically like, what is it? I think Buster Keaton accidentally dips his cookie in the other person's Correct. tea, and then he's like, I guess I better switch these. Yes. It's he, completely he just looks the wrong Like, of way. all yeah. of the ways you're going to do a, 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 a tea switcheroo in a comedy, this was the least. But all of this feels like it has this energy of, like, is this what you want? Right. You know, there's right. yeah. this almost vague contempt for the audience. Absolutely. Of like, I felt really contempt. Right. I just spent fucking like a year trying to get like every Civil War uniform pr- stitch perfect. Right. I gave you the most like technically impressive extended chase movie imaginable. Yeah. You, do, what, you just want I, me like. I drove, a, I drove a train off a bridge as it burned. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You want me to? You want me to just be a dumbass coxswain? But he just yeah, he fucks up the the rowing, and they still oh, win, well, even though right. Oh, well, the point is that I was gonna say that I was thinking about is like there's this race that he's got to win, yeah. right? And he's got to win it in order to win because I guess that's what sports is. Mm-hmm. You do have to win the race, right? But he has no idea to be the winner. That he don't like that, that the object of his affection is being held against her will in a right. dorm room yeah. till long after the race is over. Right. Yes. Well, this race is ostensibly to impress her. Now, in right. the, in another version of the movie, like you know, where yeah. as you were describing, where Mary is two characters, one who's a jerk and one who's nice or whatever. Yes. And the nice one's being held hostage. Wouldn't it be more compelling if he knows that she's being held hostage or? That she's in trouble and he's got right. to finish the race in order right. to get well, to her. Does eventually. I mean, that's not a very good punch but instead, up. But they break that into two different things. Right. He wins the race. She's being held hostage simultaneously. Then she gets a phone call to him. She calls him. Right. Yes. And then, and this is and one a, of the easiest things in the world. Yeah. Back in nineteen twenty, where someone was was right. getting someone on the phone. Right. Yeah. Right. Immediate. It's, yeah. Wherever they oh, might wow. be. Yeah, but this is a little. Satisfying. I happen to have memorized the the number over at the uh, over at the boathouse. Yes, and uh, I hit and I hid this phone underneath my dolly. Well, there are only five numbers in town. That's true. She Just probably spoke them. to the operator and said, right. "Can you connect me to the boathouse?" Please? Yeah, um, that's how it should be. We need to go back to that. What? There's just like a bunch of phones. And there's one lady. Whoever's closest. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. hey, can I talk to the library? Like, yeah. yeah, there's one phone there. Yeah, That's how it should be. To, yeah, right. back to that. I'd also like, I'd like to meet a nice switchboard operator. You should run Why for governor. Not? That feels like a me. I should run for governor? No, she's, oh, no. he's saying my oh, you should run for governor policy. You yeah. Know. yeah. David's platform is fewer phones, more trains. Oh, sounds great. I think, you know what? I think you could it'd be a, a big third party. Nobody likes their phone right now. And no. Trains. And trains know. are great. Everyone yeah. loves Very lovable. Right. Yes. You know, I, people are like terrified, like, uh, uh, oh, these, these, these insane liberal politicians, they want to come to my house and take my gun out of my hand, mm. throw it away. Right. Sure, and that's right. their biggest fear. Yeah. yeah. I would vote for anyone who said, if you elect me, I will come to your door and take, take your phone take out of your, your phone hand. out of your hand. <laughs> you have my unwavering smash support. Smash it in front of How you. much am I legally allowed to donate to your campaign? $3,000. I will break please, your but phone you have to write. You. you have to write a paper check and <laughs> yeah. mail it to yes. me. I, yeah. I would do that. Yeah. You have to put um, a stamp on it. No, I wouldn't say it's funny. But this last sequence is a little bit uh, where he like pole vaults in, exciting. Yeah, where he yeah. finds out that she's being held hostage, he, and he suddenly picks he up can the do call. all of the things that he couldn't. It's just do before. a little bit nice of like you've set up the whole movie. Now yeah. everything comes back into play. 
it is at least a more impressive um, uh, uh, display of his sure. ability as a physical actor. If it, yeah, of yeah. course. Okay, but if, then... Well, no, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I'm going to say something about the last thing in the movie, so if yeah. you have anything before then. Uh, no, I don't have any. Oh, I did want to say that the original, the, the, the rowing skull... Mm that they're in is like old rock bottom or old iron, iron bottom, bottom old right. iron bottom because he because he jumps into the other one and and which was actually an incredible shot of him jumping off the dock directly into that very narrow rowing boat yes and then drops through the bottom of the boat mm -hmm. but that original boat was called the damifino yeah which yes. is the name of the boat in the boat that's yes. all that was yes. just a thing that it, I noticed. it's it's a big uh, damifino is a big running buster uh, sort of uh, the the Damifino Society is, I think, the name of the preeminent Buster Keaton uh, fan club oh, in America sure. these days. Yeah, how I didn't get that printed out membership card into my leather satchel back in high school, I'll never know. <laughs> um, no, he rescues her. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. She's like, "Great, I'll marry you." Cut to them with kids. <laughs> Cut oh. to them old. Cut to their gravestones. The, the end. end. Kind of just felt like Buster didn't quite have an ending. And he was like, I don't know. It's kind of funny. <laughs> just their gravestone. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. It's it's yeah. kind of interesting. Now, yeah. what would be cool is if he actually predicted the future, right? Like if we cut to like them old, like watching JFK's assassination and like, Jesus, God, this country's <laughs> really you want to hell. slow down and really go <laughs> yeah, five right. years at a time and yes. really call everything. Yeah, the, you know, the reverse of the opening of Up. Right, right. Yeah, 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 like them in the 70s being like, this country is a shithole. Yeah. You know, like they've gotten really conservative yeah. in their old age. Complaining about uh, Charlie Chaplin's later films being yeah. maudlin. Yeah. It's it's actually set it's actually set at Kent State it's and they're just, and they're rooting for the National Guard. What's another the, college film? You know, thank you, know, you Ben Sherlock Junior. Sherlock <laughs> yeah. Junior has um, the joke where yes. he sees in the movie mm -hmm. like they have babies and he's like, "What?" You know. And Three Ages has the joke where at the end it's seeing how the three relationships end and it's like they have a million kids, they have five kids, they have a dog. Yes. He is he likes the ending that is right. uh, do they end up with some It's just really on the it's nose of like that's what happens when you get married. I'm like, yeah, I, I get the idea that they're yeah. going to have kids and grow old together and you know, die. You yeah. have to like show it to me. Yeah, yeah and and none of the sequences are particularly them living in happiness. They just no, happen to no. be in the same also, movie together. Kind of sequences. They're like 5 seconds it's long. It's 5 seconds yeah. just fading. Right. Yeah. No, was, it was a very kind of it was like, appropriately grim ending. Where are you so. going with this? And it's like, oh, into the ground. Yeah, right. The end straight into the ground. Yeah, it's his worst feature. Sure. I do think it's the yes. If uh, it had been a short, it yes. would have been more forgivable, but probably not. Absolutely, good. it's also the one movie that, like, uh, from top to bottom, feels of its time. Um, let me give you just a little more context before In a we negative play way. the box you know? office yeah. game. Yeah, what? No beans. <laughs> um, so there's this whole thing where, mm -hmm. as I said, he has um, you know, Harry Brand, which is like Buster and Skink's publicity guy. Sure. Uh, and, you know, why don't you have him write? And so then Brand apparently insisted on a credit. Mm -hmm. Doesn't tell Buster about it. Buster sees the movie projected to an audience for the first time. And it says, written by blah, directed by blah, a separate title, supervised by Harry Brand. Okay. And Buster basically is like, they put this in the prints after I okayed them. You know what I mean? Like, they fucked me on this. Yeah. Gink did it. Yeah. And the prints were out. There was nothing he could do. Like, yeah. there was like, they'd already been distributed around the country. Sucks. And he uh, was so mad about it. Um, so, again, a lot of bad feelings. 
um, you know, festering in terms of like this movie's production. Like there's, yeah, there's less fun stuff because he's not doing crazy stunts yeah. in the same way as the general or whatever. Yeah, it's not like breaking his Most neck. of the history of this movie is just he needed a safe hit again. He needed to make a smaller, simpler movie that was giving what he thought the public wanted. Um, I've been digging right, into the tagline. just sent me no beans on Urban Dictionary. Okay, pull this up. Yeah. When you have a lack of beans, <laughs> uh-huh. hey, bro, uh-huh. you got some beans. Sorry, uh-huh. no beans. No, sorry, no beans. Okay, so that's apparently the uh, Urban Dictionary definition. Yeah. Yeah, it was no literally, beans. you want beans and someone doesn't have them. You're like, what? No, no beans? Now, that was yeah. submitted by Lean With It on July 10th, 2017. Now, here's what's interesting. Also submitted under no beans by Caroline Yixi. On April 17, 2018, a year later is no beans when you have so many beans. Well, that's that's confusing. Do, can in, you give me an example? Yeah, yeah, here's an example. Bro, I have no beans. <laughs> Holy, I, just so everyone understands, uh, Griffin just pulled out 500 cans of beans out of his uh, leather satchel. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, here's, here's the best one on Urban Dictionary. Yeah, not me with beans. <laughs> Just beans. <laughs> that feel when you have beans. Ten comedy points to both of you. Um, this entry is just beans. Okay. And in definition, right. it says I'm gonna beans. Cut this, cut this right David, off. This was gonna pay out so big, and All you right, have fine. Go ahead. Go. Well, ahead. now I need to reset it. Yeah, reset it. How far back should we go back? The Urban Dictionary entry is beans. Sure. Okay. The definition is beans. Okay. And the sample sentence is beans. <laughs> wow. He made me reset for that. <laughs> that was funny. He got laughs in the room. Uh, I did a search for what no Jason beans. Jason Momoa in Fast X. I got a search. laughs in the room. How, how can you tell me that was bad? People were laughing got off camera. in the room. <laughs> I did a search for what no beans, and I got something from search.proquest, an um, academic article mm-hmm. called What No Beans, Images of Women and Sexuality in Burlesque Comedy. So there might be something in there. Oh, it's something like a but the only joke. Other, but the only other hint, excuse me, the only other hit that I got mm. was uh, someone's blog about this movie. Yeah, so, no one has ever been I able don't... to figure out what the heck what no means. So. Look, I mean, there's a Twitter account called Good Bean Jokes that apparently, you know, has some great bean jokes. If you want to find that, I've been googling around as well. But yeah. no, I don't have anything more for you. Okay, look, couple things. Yeah. Couple things. College not very well reviewed. Mm-hmm. Did do su- financially successful. That was a hit. But not a hit on the level of, say, The Freshman or whatever. Sure, you know, sure. Not, it did good. Yeah. Um, I wanted to shout out Madame Soltewan. If you remember when... I was going to mention Madame Soltewan. When Buster is in blackface, yes. he's with a black actress yes, who's, who's playing a cook. In the kitchen. Yeah. In the kitchen, which obviously just makes the whole fucking blackface thing all the stranger. Right. As it always does whenever you watch uh, any old movie that has blackface in it, where there are also black performers. So he really looks like an movies. alien. And You're she like, that is look saying good. things to him, and there is an interaction going on that is mysterious because you can't... Okay. It's, a, it's talking. A, They're not talking. She was um, the first African-American actress to fi- sign a film contract. Interesting. And be a featured performer. She yeah. um, was in movies for 50 years. Uh, she's in The Birth of a Nation. She's in Intolerance. Uh, she's in the Black Filmmaker Hall, Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just interesting if you look her up. She ha- that's a stage name she gave yeah, herself. It was, it was not actually she was not born Madame. No, her, her name is Nellie Crawford. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she gave herself that name, I think, based on it's a character she had played in an old movie, and it meant that she could play any ethnicity essentially because she had any this non-white other she character. Was putting this yeah. exotic okay. quote unquote gotcha. you know name. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, just, just interesting. I thought I found her life to be very interesting too. Yes, you can read about her. 
may I say? Yes. Uh, you know, I've been looking up what the taglines were for these movies to see if I could use them in the openings, and yeah. they rarely work. But I want to read the the three for these ones because for this film college because I think they're uh, good. Uh, you'll graduate with a perpetual smile <laughs> is one tagline. Second tagline sounds like a curse. It's silent. Te- technically, it should be you will be graduated with a. Per- okay. Anyway, well, I'm just saying. Could have used the copy editor. Yale. Uh, it's silent. But Buster Keaton makes college. The scream. I mean, sure. I think this is the best tagline for the movie. Okay, well, the other two were bad, so. And this is the best one. Hey! (laughs) Hey! (laughs) That's it? Just two hays with exclamation points. That's actually pretty good. Hey, hey! Or it could be be like a crusty thing, like, hey, hey! It could be. Look, it's in the eye of the beholder. Let's play the box office game. Okay. Uh, we're talking August 1927, baby. Mm. Number one at the box office. This film is opening at number seven. Okay. Not Lucky nothing. Number seven. To $54,000. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but number one at the box office. Oh, it's a comedy directed by William Kraft. Ooh. Oh, boy. I have no plot information about this movie. It's called What? Some Beer? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that uh, I don't know anything. It's called, it stars Glenn Tyron and Patsy Ruth Miller, and it's called Painting the Town. Painting the Town. Painting the Town. Hey, hey. What do you think of that? Hey, hey. No, uh, you know, it's not a, doesn't. that's not the tagline. All right, number two. Okay. The drama. Mm. Uh, starring the legendary John Gilbert, who's come off on many of these yeah. box office games. Yeah, kind of the king of the box office at the um, time. You've the, also got a very... The, is it called The Drapes of London? It's not called The Drapes of London, a very specific guess. Is it you. called London's Drapes? No, it's not called that either. It's called, is it called The Drapery hey, no in London, London Town. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, no, it's John Gilbert and a very young Joan Crawford. Interesting. Ooh. In a silent drama... Uh, about a bootlegger mm. who um, gets a society girl involved in his activities and they fall in love. The movie is called Whiskey Town. 12 Miles Out. 12 Miles 12 Out. It's a Jack Conway film. Number three at the box office. Mm. It's a comedy. Mm. <laughs> is it called, I'm just going to, is it called Dumbass Coxwain? That's not what it's called. Uh, it's directed by. Goofy Coxwain? It's directed by Richard Wallace. Okay. Uh, this one's boring. You guys can say some more funny names. No, no. Stars Jack Mulhall. Oh, it's a Mulhall Charles joke? Murray. Wow, who looks like a real, real fun guy. This guy. I think it's called. Looks like a priest who's mad at me. I Charles think it's Murray. called A Glass for My Best Gal. It's called. <laughs> it's got a pretty good name. Mm-hmm. The Poor Nut. Oh, well. The Poor Nut. Poor. The Poor Nut. The Poor Nut. You know, like that. The Porn the yeah. poor nut. I but have the nothing for you on this okay. movie. There's no plot description. All right, number four is a King Vidor epic from mm. two years ago. Wow. It has been in the Still. box office for 100 weeks, starring John Gilbert. I think we actually have had this on a previous box office game. Is is it the original oh. Ten Commandments? No. No. Uh, it's a war film, a World War I film, starring John Gilbert. Okay. Uh, and you don't, probably don't remember the title because it's kind of a boring title. It's from director King Vidor. Its name is The Big Parade. Okay. Big Remember, parade. we had this one yeah. before. Yeah. What country is he ruler of? Wait, why does he have to be the ruler? Well, he's king. <laughs> <laughs> he was the king of the box office. Then. King Vidor was the king of cinema, of yeah. course. What was King Vidor's actual name? There's no name. There's no way his name was King, right? Oh, good joke, Ben. Five comedy points. Whoa, his name was King. Yeah, really? Happens. Good for him. Yeah. You have a baby and you're like, 
My friend, uh, my friend up, Amy Fusselman, who is a novelist, she has a book out right now called The Means. Uh, her first son is named King. Really? Yeah, it was big. That's a How's big it swing. Spelled? What's that? How's it spelled? K O N G. M A T T. Steamboat Bill Jr., your favorite. Uh, yes, uh, just uh, the final film of the box office, Griffin, is uh, a historic, Young Hodgman at Yale. Is a historical drama starring Dorothy Gish, and its name is Madame Pompadour. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Sorry if that doesn't No, no. I've heard of that film. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that's, um, I mean, it rings a bell. Sure. I think it's a real person. No she one was the wife, Madame Bombadour. Wife no. or mistress of Louis the something? Well, one of the Louis? Maybe that's what Louis. I remember. Louis Louis. All right, all right, all right. All right. Steamboat right, Bill, Steam Bill, Bill Jr. He goes out, ends his Buster Keaton Productions run on a high note. Movie that feels like he's putting it all back in. He is going yeah, for a more than this one. Yeah. Uh, and he is, right. He's, he's putting himself in risk again, it feels like, physically. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. Look, this film contains Buster Keaton's most iconic gag ever, which is the house, the mm -hmm. side of the house falling and him somehow perfectly landing the, in the, the window, window lands over unaffected, him. undamaged. Well, and it's not just that. He runs to his mark and yes. then it falls. Yes. So it's yes. not like he's preset there. Right. And this incredible, he's not looking, he's not glancing, he looks oblivious and yet, if he were an inch off his mark, he right. would die. He would be crushed instantly, and you're watching a big, wide master. Now, what I heard yes. is that um, they had to, they had, it took 35 takes. And he died the first 34. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. An early, an early fan of cloning. Kept clipping him. Yes. Yeah, right. He prestiged this one. There is this, by all accounts, kind of apocryphal uh, uh, sort of narrative that I think was uh, pushed along a lot by Buster's uh, ex-wife. Uh, that he you was... mean his 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 widow, the woman that he ended his life with, the younger woman that he married who became no, I think this is a what's her name Norma Talmadge, Talmadge. his oh, his ex wife at that moment who he had to uh, was an acrimonious acrimonious uh, uh, long term divorce. So it she was, wasn't saying nice things about him. She, she was, was not. saying bad things about him. Uh, and there are a lot of quotes attributed to her that have like perpetuated the narrative that he was so depressed at this point in his life. That part of this whole, the end of this film, that stunt, all of that, people saying, right. hey, do you realize the margin for error is really, really narrow on this? If you're off by an inch, you die, was him being like, then I die. Right. That there was this belief that has now existed that he was borderline suicidal making this film, which I don't think is true. Interesting. It, like that he's almost trying. He's like, well, if this gag, if it happens, that, what a way to go. If this Tom gag Cruise had shooting happened, himself into space vibes. Right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That has become a lot of this movie's legacy, weird. If the wall fall gag yes. had happened in college, I would believe you. Yes. Because he looks genuinely That's suicidal the throughout the, right. that film. Right. But in this film, he seems at the top of his game, and the film is full of. I don't, I don't even know how to put it. Like, I don't want to say full of life. It's a cliche, but it's just yeah. like, it's it's alive. This movie is so alive. It's alive and there's this... And so creative and so human and so funny. There's a real emotional... It doesn't feel like... ...core a, to yeah. it yes. as well. I mean, he's playing a real character. Yes. And, what a character, though. I right. Mean, what a crazy oh, character. Oh, what a... This guy's a real cut-up. I'll tell you, with that uh, with the beret and the, the ukulele... mustache. And yeah. the, and the incredibly wide pants. Yeah. This I mean, guy. This look, guy. I mean... 
No, what, what are you gonna say, Dave? No, I was gonna talk about. I, I have. I was gonna interrupt this bit. Just talk about his suicidal. You know, sure. He was an alcoholic, obviously, yes. which is a recurring problem for him, especially later. You know, but this was is around when it's the really what, no beer. starting to Start, rear no. its head. Yeah, he had this disastrous marriage yes. that was costing him money yes. and obviously just causing him anguish yeah. in general. There's things that would have been. Yes. Weighing on him. And, and his yeah. movies are doing less well, right. obviously. And and I he sees this is probably end of the road of this era of my career. I have to make a move after this. He so, goes to MGM right after this. So it's easy enough to sort of then extrapolate to like, well, that's why he's a little more reckless or a little right. more daring. But like, it's then, then you have to do like eight more steps to be like, and you know, honestly, he was kind of trying to drop a house on his head. You know, that's a little, right. But I, I agree but, with John. You know, I wouldn't do what he but did. But I do think movie. that there is a, there is a, Psychological mystery, yes, as to how you go from college to this movie, right? Like, right. Like, was this going to be the one last big creative swing before he had already decided he was going to? Well, I can sell give you some context. I mean, obviously, the other thing with Keaton, of course, is when he's asked about these things, he's like, you know, I just wanted a good gag for the good picture. You know, like right. it's like, he's not just like, yeah, I was really fucked up, right? You know? Right. Like, you know. Uh, okay, here's some. Here's some context for Steamboat Bill Jr., originally called The Long Lost Son. Okay. Chuck Reisner. Much better title. Yeah. Yeah, Steamboat Bill Jr. is, a, is just a joke, right? It's just a, it's just a pun Steamboat about a song. Bill is the... That song, which Let's is... Let's go steal some apples. Whistled by... Uh, by Mickey. Right, because we erroneously said, and it's often repeated... That Steamboat Willie, the first Mickey short, is riffing off of this, this title. But they're both, but in fact, they're both the riffing off the song. Right, right. Which is very popular. So it's a pre-existing song. Yes, I think that Steamboat Bill Junior is a fine title. It's fine. The Long Lost Son feels a little banal to me. I was making. Yeah, the, and the Junior is uh, good. It's yeah, it's well, part, of, you part of the brand. Made part of the brand. I got brand. A, a good Buster Junior. Yeah. All right. So Chuck Reisner, former vaudeville guy who worked with Chaplin, worked mm -hmm. with uh, Sid Chaplin. Uh, he uh, had a story that he pitched to Buster about an old steamboat captain uh, reuniting with his long lost son, mm -hmm. right? You know, and and that's what it'll be about, right? Mm -hmm. You got the grizzled captain mm -hmm. and the silly son, yes, right? Uh, his his a dandy. His idea a is right. A a I, I show up. I have a beret. I'm wearing plus fours. I have a oh. ukulele under my arm and a quote unquote. Oh my god! Baseball you have to, now put yourself put yourself in the mind of young John Hodgman. Oh. You're at losing. the Coolidge Corner movie theater right. when he's revealed because he's standing on the other side of the train platform and the train pulls away and he turns around and he's got that little pencil mustache. Oh, it made me... I've never felt more seen in my life. For you, this was like seeing James Dean in Rebel without a cause. Oh, this is the coolest guy <laughs> in the history of movies. Can I and, tell you? I mean, I'm I'm not unself-aware. I was laughing at what a... Like, what a dope yeah. he is. Sure, what sure, a dope... Sure. Like, right. it's such an incredible character reveal. You know everything you need to know about him in that one moment. Yeah. And I watched this movie last night with a person who lives in our house who's 21 years old. Mm. And she laughed hard yeah. when she saw him. It, it is just undeniable. David, what, what did you want to well, say? Well, a couple yeah. things. One, apparently, the mustache he's wearing was jokingly at that time called a baseball mustache. The joke being there are nine hairs on each side. <laughs> much like innings in a baseball game. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, whatever. Baseball yeah. players. Yeah. Ben, plus fours, right? Those kind of pants. They're like shorts plus four inches, right? Yeah. Big baggy pants. Mm -hmm. Tintin famously wears plus fours. Mm -hmm. Okay. We bring them back? Yeah. They are back. They're kind of back? J. Crew did last season. They did really? big pants. Really? Yeah. Big yeah. Pants big, big pants. Big pants are back. 
But big, big billowy pants that come up a little short. It's the balance of both. Right. I don't believe that I'm going to reveal this, but I am. Okay. Around the time that I would have seen this movie, mm-hmm. in the in it was early, early days of rap music making its way to Brookline, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. Around this time, I wrote my only rap lyric. Okay. And there's a couplet. Uh-huh. I wear white gloves like Bullwinkle Moose. I feel better when my pants are loose. Wow. I'm a big fan of big pants. Look, you just send a text message to Ben if you want to cut that right out. It's totally fine. No, no, I want it out there. It's in. I, I had to uh, audition. You're going to have to create a beat to go along Maybe with one it. of your listeners will do it for me. Uh, I, I had to, had to, I was forced at gunpoint to audition for Nick Cannon's Wild and Out. Yes. <laughs> at one point, Wild and Out. Uh, one, one of the reboots, and part of it was you had to uh, do a rap in the audition. This was for Nick Cannon in the room. Sure. And all I ever came up with was, uh, uh, I decided my persona was MC Cardigan. I love it. You Thank know you. I'm a fan of uh, kind of funny. Cardigan. I thought it was no case starting cardigan point. Cardigan pipe, pipe comedy. Was that all you had though? No, here's what I had. Okay. I had uh, I'm MC Cardigan. Were you here to say something? I'm in your yard again. Okay. There we go. Okay. Visiting my cousin up at Bard again. Oh, that's I, love, funny. I thought that wasn't no. bad. Not bad. I feel like outside of the Northeast, yeah. the Bard reference might not score. No. It's kind of a, you know, right? But like, I like it. Oh, Ben's ben sending me giant fit Chino pants. <laughs> Yeah, currently I mean, but they're not on plus J. fours, but they're not plus fours. No. I want to make it clear. Yeah. This, it's, but they're they're cropped. They're, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's giant crop. fit hyphenated. Like this is not cowboy fit. This is fit for a giant. Right? Why am I not on this text thread? I'll send it to you, John. This is monstrous. Um. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So Reisner has this pitch, um, and uh, you know, um, the film was quite expensive. This mm-hmm. film uh, cost three hundred three hundred thirty grand, which is about as much as the general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a problem, yes. obviously. Um, apparently, this was a general problem with comedies. They were much more expensive to make than dramas, I guess, just because of the amount of time it took gags. to work all the gags up and all that. Yeah, maybe when you simulate a hurricane in a, <laughs> in a town yeah. that you have built. Well, these dramas have battle scenes and stuff, and they're not without, you maybe, know. Maybe, maybe when, a, when a whole building flies away, revealing a man in a hospital bed. I mean, the last 15 minutes of this movie feel like, yeah, this might I be the last time. Ben has been sending these links to our text thread with Marie. <laughs> and Marie is just getting these links random. Here's, here's our group text. It's just Ben Hosley, linked to No, no Beans, Beans Urban Dictionary. Ben Hosley, giant fit chino pant for men, J. Crew. And then Marie Barty, I have so many questions. <laughs> um, She'll yes. find out. She'll find out. Um, okay, so... But yeah, uh, the last wow, 15 minutes are of this big, movie... Those are big pants. They're giant fit. I like these big pants. Um, the last 15 minutes feel like him going, I'm I'm going to make this as if this is the last chance I ever get to make something on yes. this scale. I'm right. throwing like, let's everything not fuck around. at the wall. They that shot the it all on the Sacramento. And yet it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel desperate. No, at not all. at all. No. It feel, it's like so much work, but it all feels effortless. Yeah. Um, they shot on the Sacramento River to double as the Mississippi, the mighty Mississippi. Um, and they built like a whole street front. They built piers, right? You know, the mm-hmm. whole thing cost like 50 grand. 150 people are working on it because then they have to fucking flood it. You know, like it's like all this crazy stuff is going on. That's the kind of thing that anyone else would have done with miniatures. But for him, it's like the whole point is me coexisting in these spaces, moving through them. Um, And uh, they they had more plans for like dramatic flood sequences that were stopped because there was a 
terrible flood of the actual Mississippi River uh-huh. that caused loss of life. Sure. And Buster was essentially told, like, you can't do f- too many flood jokes. Like, that's that's too touchy. Right. Like, people too don't soon. want it flood was too jokes. Soon. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why they then shift over to Cyclone. Mm-hmm. We only actually got clear to make flood jokes two years ago, actually. Right. It's finally okay yeah. now. Um, you know, so that is when they start to think about, okay, well, what are some like tornado gags we can do? Right. Buster's like, all while, while swigging gin, I don't know, drop a house on me. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, they had these wind machines and all like, I don't know. This whole yeah. thing just sounds incredibly complicated and difficult in 1928. Was that He's like trying to run against the wind and he's like jumping up in the air and it's like, he's truly flying. And I mean, later points, he's literally getting rigged by, right. uh, wires. Um, but yes, here's, here's the other thing. I'm mean, look at this image too, where he's like leaning in all the way, where the force of the right. wind is so great. It's bananas. Yes. Yeah. Um, in college, there was wait, wait, wait. The movie college, or when you were in college? When you were college. in college. Okay, right, okay. Thank you for clarifying. Thank you for clarifying. Dear old Clayton. Yes. Um, in college, it, the gag where he is pole vaulting, yeah, is infamously one of the only gags where he ever used a stunt double in his entire career. Or uh-huh. at least in, right. in his full-bodied age. When right? he goes over the thing and then lands headfirst into the Correct. thing. Into the hole. And I think that into it the weird was, pile of sawdust they're all falling into. I think it was, you know, he had he had had some injuries at this point. And it was like this, like, maybe I don't need to do this one. Maybe I can let someone else do this one, right? It's, it, maybe this one isn't that important for me to show my face. Versus the house gag, which has less room for error and much greater risks if it goes wrong. Yeah. I think that's where I push back on the notion that he was suicidal making this movie of right. like... He's no, working too hard to be suicidal. Exactly. Right. And it's like, college is him being like, I'm not willing to die for this fucking gag. It doesn't matter. Versus this, he's like, if I get it on film, this will validate my life. It's Look, it's this romantic, nonsensical concept of like... I'm going to go out with a bang, you know, like I'm going to make the biggest movie ever. And then the last scene I'll die. No, it's like his passion is back in. Yeah, he's he's invested in making a really good movie. And for him, the stakes are, I need to be pushing it that far. Not I, I, and if I die, it's pretty good footage. It's like, (laughs) right. People want to see that. I mean, it wasn't the last thing they shot. I presume the, the house falling down. No, I don't think it could have been. Yeah. Um, he wanted to live to shoot the rest of the movie, presumably. Is there other setup, David? No, no. Talk about the movie. Talk about the movie. I mean, all of the stuff in the dossier is mostly just like the fucking insane, you know, well, shit they We'll did. get to that exactly. when we get the stunts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think his father in this film is so good. Yes. And for how much the father relationship is so big in Buster's life, right? Right. And this is not necessarily... I believe, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. He had a father, He right? did. Okay, interesting. Father was also a performer, failed performer, had in- the son very quickly Joe outshines. Uh, yes, right. the, the, right. the guy playing the dad in this, uh, Ernest Torrance. Ernest really Torrance. fucking good. Huge, He's, very imposing I mean, and large. When, when you see his, the thing that made me fucking gasp yeah. is the scene where he's walking around in his nightshirt and you see his feet. Yes. Those things are like seal flippers. Yes. We, <laughs> this thing is as long as this desk that I'm sitting at. Yes. This guy is hugely proportioned. Scottish man, I believe. This guy was the first man ever to play uh, Captain Hook on film. Yeah, there's a... The first adaptation. He looks... Pretty terrifying. Yeah, he's yeah, a scary looking well fellow. That guy waving a hook at me. 
But this is the kind of guy who usually chases Buster in a movie, right? Right. Or tries to steal Buster's best gal away from him, his Sometimes, sweetheart sure. or whatever. Like a Jeff type. Yeah, yeah. Classic but like Jeff. a relationship with a dad is not really something he's done before. He'll have yeah. parents in movies. And, and you'll have the disapproving thing, but it's not like, a major... Son, you need to go do this. Right. That's really all they usually it, they do. They just set the plot in motion, right? Right. To really go like, and, and there's always the thing of Buster not being the traditional man in this modern society. He's right. not traditionally masculine. He does not get it, right? He needs to be toughened up. He needs to learn these things. He needs to learn a he proper a very certain kind of hat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That this is not that beret. This is the movie where like all of that energy is put into the father. Yeah. Who is never really like an asshole to him no. as much as he's just like... Doesn't, disappointed. Doesn't understand him. Doesn't get him. Disappointed. Isn't, isn't going to abandon him. No. But does not understand him. And Buster wants to really prove himself. Does he, though? I mean, here's the thing that I like about this he movie. He wants father's love. I would say. I guess, I mean, I guess you could make an argument that that's a human thing. <laughs> to, want, to want love. <laughs> I think that, I think that Buster Keaton's, I think his character, Willie, uh -huh. Yes. You know, first of all, he is waltzing in directly from the movie that college should have been. Right? Yes. Do you he's know what I mean? Silly boy with yes. a beret and a ukulele. He's, he's, this is a and classic. One of, those, one of them baseball mustaches. Classic kid who has gone to college. Yes. And has, be, and has remade himself. Come back unbearable. <laughs> exactly. It's like right. it's such right. a perfect thing. He's yes. been there for a semester and you're like, right. oh, Jesus. And they don't, don't even like recognize him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for that reason, I kind of feel like he is unbearable uh -huh. at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Not in a way that ever tests your yeah. affection for him. But, you know, like he's here to, he, his mother wanted him to visit. Yes. Like he's not there to reconnect with his dad. He was told to go. To, yeah. And he traveled from Boston to go see his dad on an errand mm -hmm. and he's he's in it but it's mm -hmm. not he doesn't want to be a part of this world he's much more interested in uh in the in the in the girl for his college that's friend. You, no you you are right that's what keeps him in that's it. what and, keeps him around and the stakes are higher for the father who's now got this rival the right. the king right and as much as and this is the other thing is like yeah. the, and you know the father a completely different kind of man yes Obviously, is not an insider though. Do you right. know what I mean? Yes, he's yes. A, he's an underdog too. Yes, he's literally being outclassed by a guy named King. Yes, who's who's a much more blue blooded uh, spelled high -class M A T T. Fellow. Great callback. But yes, no, you start the movie basically with the father as the protagonist. Yeah. Here I am. I'm going to be knocked out of business by this. This asshole. This, this asshole swell. Well, sons. Aren't sons supposed to help their fathers? Right. Aren't they supposed to carry on the tradition? I need another hand on the ship. He's going to come visit me. This will be perfect. Here comes this twerp. Right. And here comes shit. this twerp. Right. And so they're stuck with each other. They, but So I don't think... The, the only reason I push back no, on no, you I is that right. I feel that one of the beauties of the movie is it takes time for Buster Keaton's character to determine, I do want to earn my father's love sure i, I for a long time yes. he's just along for the ride yes and we'll get to the scene where i feel like that that happens yeah but it's um the fact that that happens makes this such a much more powerful film to he, me, he, that, he they, leaves, that they grow to, yes. to to care about each other absolutely he 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 writes this letter saying i'll be wearing a white carnation you can't miss me right right and then you have uh the father and his partner just looking for anyone Everyone, they're hoping. Rarely a more Smee-looking motherfucker than that little guy who wanders around with <laughs> yes. that Captain Hook. Yes. 
Uh, and then you get that amazing reveal, as he says, the train pulls away and he's facing the opposite direction. Right. And they're sort of tailing behind him, terrified. Like, they're almost looking for confirmation. Well, like, wait, like, is it anyone else? Right. Like, does it have to be this kid? <laughs> and there's a sequence before that, though, yeah. where Buster Keaton has lost the carnation. The wind yes. blows it away. And he's just terrorizing people at the train station by wandering up to them deadpan and just, like, shoving his lapel in their faces. It makes me laugh every time. Like, mm-hmm, you yes. see this, don't you? He doesn't know that he doesn't have the flower. It's great. Right. But yes, then they see his name on his luggage. Yes. And then they follow him around but and could it be anyone else. They witness him taking out his old ukulele mm-hmm. and serenading a baby yeah. while dancing around, which to them is like mortifying. Absolutely. Right? This is the moment where they just go like, what the fuck are we going to do? What are we witnessing? <laughs> and it is a very foolish act but what I like about it is it speaks to his innate kindness. Yeah. He is doing something that is silly and embarrassing, but it is not um, stupid. No. No, it's whimsical and cute. Yes. It's not. No, it's not the kind of thing that's going to get your boat working. <laughs> it will not. <laughs> I'll say that. But you're right. He's not like an imbecile. He's no. just a silly, precious boy. Yes. And of course, the dad's solution is... Well, let's get you right to the barber and get that fucking thing off your face. <laughs> right, which Joe Keaton, his real father, plays the barber. Yes. Oh, the, I didn't know that. The baseball mustache most of his movies. bit makes more sense. Take when they... that barnacle off his lip is the right. line. Yes. Right. But they shave him off and then they do the the tweezer to remove what I guess is the, the ninth man on the field. Uh-huh. Um, I watched this. Uh, uh, what's his name? Sorry. I was watching the Cohen Media... Uh, versions of the films. And Carl Davis did scores for those versions. And his score for this one in particular is phenomenal. Sure. It uh, uses elements of the real uh, uh, Steamboat Bill song. Mm. It has a lot of great original melodies. That's but, fun. But the other thing I like is into the orchestration. It's a proper full orchestra doing this score. He works in a lot of the fun sort of musical sound effects of the shaving. Rip. Yes. Weep. Yes. And and in a later sequence, I will I will get to in a second. But I wanted to call that out. Now, cool. the, his scores are available on iTunes. I do a lot of sound effects for shaving scenes. I do a lot of ADR. That's your side. <laughs> uh, um, but yes, they're looking for the outfit to toughen him up. Yes. Yeah, so they're auditioning every then, hat on him. Right. All you, the hats. You have this What joke. a magnificent sequence that hat sequence is to me. And it just speaks to, he could make comedy out of nothing. The, what's the gag? They're not even funny hats. They're not. The worst version of that yes. would be f- increasingly funny hats. The hats themselves are The hats silly. themselves are just normal hats. Right. But everyone, Buster Keaton is making into a joke. He's, he's vain. Yes. He's self-impressed. He's got style and taste of his own. Yes. He's, he goes into these weird poses. When he gets the Buster Keaton hat, he's immediately like, get that the fuck away that from me. That is incredible. Yeah. It's him acknowledging how humongous the Buster Keaton persona had become. Right. That he needs to, like, admit, he he needs to get the audience on board with, I'm playing a character in this one. Right. Don't hold on too much to the past people I've played. Right, right. Yeah. To the, uh, the, stock old, the old boater guy. Right. right. I'm yes. going to fucking throw the pork pie no, hat. No, and he no sort of looks pie. to the audience and is like, let's not talk about that. Right, right. right. Let's not even let them know I put that one it's on. So, and it's so swift and yes. skill and subtle. And, you know, not, not to disparage the amount of physical danger he puts himself in in the last, mm-hmm. you know, quarter of this film or whatever. 
But this is the funniest as it gets, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it gets as funny throughout the film, but it's like the the comedy here is happening through nostril work. Yeah, truly. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's just beautiful. Yes. He's uh, still very pretty, too. You know, he just has those, hands those striking looks, eyes. Right. He looks 10 years younger in this one than he does in college. Absolutely. It's the difference of him having, like, joy. Yeah, I think I think that might be, eyes. too. And I, I think so. He yeah. also had a lot of procedures done. <laughs> yeah, he was fucking addicted to Botox. <laughs> yeah, crazy. at that time. But they it wasn't, the it wasn't Botox at that full. time. You would just, in, you would yeah. just inject... Uh, Wood alcohol and bitters. <laughs> that was all it was. Yeah. Your skin would just brine. Yeah, they pickle you. Yeah, it was just patent medicines all the way yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sarsaparilla and birch beer. You also he reconnects with his with his uh, his crush at the barber shop. Okay, and what is the name of this character? Not Mary. Uh, his crush in this movie, of course, is called I hate Kitty. Kitty, right? And her name is uh, the actress's name is Marion Byron. Marion Byron. Uh, she, uh, yeah. It's terrific. She was at one point in her life after this movie teamed with Anita Garvin, another mm-hmm. actress, to form a female Laurel and Hardy. Okay. Uh, didn't work. They just did three shorts and it never took she off. She had more really of a comedy background yes. than most yes. of us leading ladies. She was, she she was, was known a, as... A uh, act. And I right. believe she was like... 16. She had the nickname Peanuts. Her name was Peanuts. She was 16 when they filmed this movie, which is pretty wild. That is crazy. I'd, She's I'd also be very nicknamed small. Peanuts than Poor Nuts. I, that is true. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's tiny. That's why they called her Peanuts. And she's 16, you're telling me. And she's 16. 16 years old. Yes. Wild. Uh, but it's wild because Buster looks 10 years younger in this, and she plays older than she is. You'd guess that both of them were 24. They seem very well matched. And yeah, instead they're he, like 16 and 33. Yeah, right. yeah. He, right. seems, yeah. he okay. seems younger. Yeah. yeah. All like, right, I so he's in it. the... Yeah. Okay, he's on the... He's in the naval uniform now. But oh. that's... This is... You're right. This is what gets him invested, right? Is, oh, she's also here. Right. Back from college. Yeah, I can be around her. With her father on their boat. I don't know about this rivalry. The dad puts the thing together Having them be star-crossed lovers rather than him needing to fight a romantic rival is a fun flip on the formula. Right. right. And so his father is occupying more the role of what is usually the big tough guy who's trying to steal the girl away from him. Right. But from a sympathetic point of view. Right. The father's got a lot at stake. He needs to make this work. He doesn't want to be put out of business. And he doesn't want his son uh, getting involved with the daughter of his rival. And that is the only thing he wants to do. It is the number one thing he wants to do. I had said, I think in our Dana episode, that I, I ranked this one lower on my, my personal Buster ranking, which is absurd. But I think also I had not rewatched this one in a while, and I had not rewatched The Navigator in a while. And I conflated them a lot in my mind. Both boat films. Boat bits. Right, on but Navigator bits. is much more boat bits. It's what are the bits that come out of being on right. a boat. They're on this vehicle. There's the two of them as well. So it's yes. not about like working a boat. It's no. just like these two idiots are on a boat. Right. This movie is much more, he wants to fulfill the role of a proper boatsman in terms of dress and demeanor and all That's of right. that. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't want to be a dumbass coxswain. He wants to be a proper boatsman. Yeah, but outside of that, his main objective is get off this fucking boat, get onto her boat. He just wants yeah. to talk to her a bunch. And he doesn't pick that outfit out. They pick it out together. Yes. Like, that's so beautiful. Like, they're both so out of touch. Another bit that is so simple and is much like the hat bit where it's like the comedy is coming out of him positioning the hat 10 degrees in the wrong way, yeah. right? Uh, that moment when he's walking up on the deck of the boat and all he's trying to do is just wear his nice little double-breasted captain uniform with his little hat and just walk straight on the boat and he he fucks up every element of walking in a straight line. 
right? He like walks into the pulley. Right. He almost walks over the edge. Yeah. And he's just trying to maintain the air of confidence of, I know how to be here. That's that, that, that semen swagger. Yes. You know what I'm talking about, Ben? Oh, sure. This, I mean, he's looking sharp. Yeah. He looks good. He looks really good. Yeah. And it's so funny. And the other thing that the 21-year-old who lives in my house sometimes mm. really laughed at was um, when he comes down and first when he, the reveal of the naval uniform mm -hmm. and then Smee just handing a gun to the father <laughs> yes. saying no jury in the world would convict you. Always just, funny. <laughs> pretty much always a good joke in yeah. my opinion. Yes. <laughs> Murder is now legal. <laughs> the idea of a jury being like, uh-huh. And you say he was annoying? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Free to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Just makes me laugh. Fair enough. Okay, what happens next on Steamboat Bill Jr.? Uh, well, he's on the he, boat. He tells her basically, she, she gets the note to him saying, I will, I will be on the deck of my ship. Right, so he's got, a sneak, he's got to sneak over there. Right, this is such a good bit and it's so simple and isn't like crazy boat bit shit. It's just set up, right? Right. Buster's been lying in bed all night eating peanuts. Okay. Another dang peanut shells all around the bed, which you think is just kind of an errant detail to make his dad angry, right? right? But instead, they end up being this incredible runner of anytime anyone is trying to enter or leave the room, they keep forgetting there are these fucking shells all over the place. Yes. Which the Carl Davis score, he 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 does instrumentation of the shell noise over and over nuts. again, which is really... He does crunchy nuts, That's David. Fun. That's fun. Which is really fun. But all he wants to do is sneak out. Right. His father wants to make sure he's not... Sneaking out because this is this is my 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 rival's daughter. Right, you star-crossed lovers can never get together. Uh, and he's fully dressed underneath it in his captain's yes, taking uniform. off the big nightgown to reveal his entire uniform is funny. It's big funny. nightgowns are funny. Yes, big nightgowns, big are funny. nightgowns that go down to the floor are funny. But he can't get out easily because of the because of the nutshells. The fa uh, father finds him. He makes him go into the like wardrobe. Well, no, he says you get get undressed and. And Buster Keaton won't get undressed in front of his father. Right, right. So he goes into the closet. Yes. To get to get undressed. Right. But he just puts on some work clothes, right? I don't remember what happens. He, no, he puts on a different long nighty. Right. And he's like, see, are you happy? And he gets back into bed. And then the second the dad leaves, he gets out. He takes the nighty off. He's got a different uniform on <laughs> But he has that look when he when the father opens the wardrobe of like, are you happy now? Right. Yeah. These things where he's able to convey something with like he such an incredible. Need, he didn't need to speak. He did. He didn't need to speak. Um. He didn't need to speak. Uh. And he doesn't speak because this is a silent film. It is. It's David. a silent picture. Um. All right. So. All right. There's lots of undressing business. She's waiting on the deck mm -hmm. of the steamboat. Bill. Well, she gets busted too. She gets busted too. And the her father. Calls um, calls him a, a river tramp. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. It's not kind. No, it's a, it's a good dig. Yeah, yeah. River tramp. River tramp. That's you, Ben. Face it. Face it. You're a river tramp. Come on, you know. Yeah. All right. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. You know, back back when I used to go on steamboats. Right. Back in those days. Yeah. When I was a traveling gambler. Yeah. On steamboats. Mm -hmm. I knew some river tramps. Oh yeah. And they were fun guys. Okay, and you good. were doing yeah. the Mississippi grind? Yeah. Okay, Griff. Uh, what else happens in Well, try to remember how we get to the father being arrested. Because um, you have her waiting for him. He puts out the plank. The ships start moving. He ends up beating up. Doesn't he assault King? Yes. Yes, they have the big fight. Um, 
right? Isn't that, yeah. Right. There's the whole protracted sequence of Buster trying to get to her on the boat. And then when the father catches him and then Steamboat Bill's father goes after him. Right. But there's another thing too, which is that the father does Steamboat Bill Sr. Yes. Gives up on Steamboat Bill Jr. Yes. And gets him a ticket back to Boston. Yes. And Steamboat Bill Jr. is kind of like, yeah, you know what? This didn't work out. Yeah. And then his father gets thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. And that's when he changes his mind and he's going to stick around. Right. And he that's tears the up moment. the ticket. Yes. And I was wildly struck, not only by the emotion of this moment, but the, the framing mm-hmm. of that scene where, I mean, it was just so gorgeous. I mean, the, the, uh, so much of this film is shot beautifully. Yes. yes. It's a but, very good-looking movie. You know, it's this, it's this one scene where he is standing in the road, uh, and he's looking at camera, and, and beyond camera, is the, he's watching his dad get thrown in Locked jail. Locked away, put in the slammer. Yes. And Kitty is in the background watching him. Yeah, it's, yep. it's like, here, here it is. It's this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he's in the foreground and she's far away. You can't even see her. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so like, not that any of these films were rudimentary, but that feels so contemporary, that framing to me. That feels so emotive. Yeah. And yeah. modern. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, there are so many sequences or, you know, just images that are so striking, including him standing in the doorway of the, when he goes to visit his father to break him out. Yeah. Now that he's committed to his dad. I want to talk about that sequence. I, uh, uh, plot wise, just, uh, cause I untangled it. There's the earlier bit where, uh, Steamboat Bill Sr. tries to train Bill Jr., down in sort of the engine room and he accidentally crashes the crashes ship into, into the, the king into the king so then when they're back on land after they busted the two of them trying to canoodle right the king the father uh, accuses uh, the canfield the ship of being like poorly run right unsafe oh and he has a condemned wants a condemned right so then that's when steamboat bill senior attacks him he loses loses control right this is like my favorite bit of performance in the entire movie even more than the hat thing is Buster has brought this giant loaf of bread. It's very funny. Filled with tools. And he says, you know, I made it myself. Yes. Um, and then the prison guard turns around, and that's when Buster's, like, saying to his dad, essentially, like, you know, I, I'm going to break you out of here. Right. Guy turns back around, Buster's hands in the air, and he just kind of puts it on the guy and, like, <laughs> yeah. pats him, like, there you are. <laughs> you know, it, I just always think that's funny. But you're setting up, like, so many different things here, which is uh, his his dad doesn't want the bread. He right. doesn't want the bread because he's like, my son's a fuck up. Just the be, bread probably I, tastes awful. <laughs> this isn't what I want from I, you. I even didn't, I didn't even take it as the bread necessarily tasted awful. It's just like, he's a stubborn, mad fuck. Right. I'm just, you like, know what I'm I mean? tired like, of all your bullshit. Yeah. You're coming here with a fucking sourdough loaf or some shit. I right. don't want your business. Right? right. And all he wants to do is convey to his father, the, the bread's going to help you escape. Right. Right. He's trying to find the way to pantomime. As you said, the sheriff keeps turning around, catching him. He has to try and to. There's so much in motion here, both sort of plot wise and yes. then emotionally. Yes. It's so, like this one scene could be a whole film, basically. But you get just you like know. three minutes of Buster trying to pantomime different ways of conveying, and break remember, out, walk out of jail. I remember laughing so hard at the Coolidge Corner when he sang that little Sings song. the prisoner's lament or whatever. 
And he and then he's he's, he's like kind of gesturing to the bread, just saying, like, <laughs> right. you know, like, yeah. like <gasps> prisoners might want this bread. He's like sawing off his own thumb to the tune of the song to give the father an idea. Yeah, and then he does the little thing, the little man with his fingers running away across the bread, right. and it's all in time to a song that you cannot hear. You cannot hear, which is incredible, but you hear it somehow all yes. the same. You know, but then magnificent. The, right. The funniest thing is he he finds he finds a uh, like a, a piece of rock or something. He throws it over his shoulder out the window so that it looks like someone threw a window well, it's from two, it's two rocks. Right. He kicks one rock next to the sheriff's foot. Right. right. Then he takes another rock. He throws it through the window so it looks like the rock by the foot went through the window from the outside. Right. Tells him look around. Someone's yelling. You know, throwing breaking glass. Whatever. I'm throwing a rock through. The and window. then just rips the the butt off the bread. Shows his father all the tools inside. Puts the butt back on front. And now the dad's like, Well, oh. I think maybe I want I want the bread actually. Yes. No. Right. Are we building to my favorite line? Yes. Okay. He's trying to get him to take the bread. He goes over to hand it to him. Right. He's holding it the wrong way. Everything falls out. This is the line, David. Go ahead. Well, you want me you to, want say, to it? say it? Yeah. That must have happened when all when the dough fell in the tool chest. Yeah. It's just such a funny idea that he's like, "Well, I was making dough, and yes, it did briefly fall in a tool chest, and I maybe it much accumulated it. various tools." <laughs> I didn't think much of it. I took, no, I just baked the bread. I lifted off the floor. I put it in the oven. I baked it. <laughs> <laughs> So is is that a real thing though that happened where someone yeah, escaped like from a, prison? It had to have like had a giant right. file inside of it a was, cake. It was yeah. such a trope. Yeah, I yeah. like to think that it happened. Yeah, yes. I mean everyone remembers. It's it, it's as common as uh, what? No beans? Like everyone? <laughs> right. Universal reference point. Yeah. Oh boy! All right. So he does. Wait. How does he knock the guy out again? He knocks out the prison guy at some point. Yeah. With the loaf or whatever. Yeah. Gets him out. Um, but there's a storm of brew. And then the storms of brew. And, and then we are basically into a, just a very thrilling apocalyptic sort of disaster sequence. Mm -hmm. which, which builds to him in the wreckage of an abandoned theater where he starts to do all these meta gags. Oh, right. There's a the thing where he pulls the curtain and the shower comes down. He pulls it back up and he's disappeared. Right. And it's just on a little platform, and then his head pops up, like his body, like it's disembodied. And then he cuts to the side, and you see, like, the mirror. Right. That it's kind of a classic magician's like a trick. magician, right. Right. But it's it's almost like him kind of pulling back the curtain and acknowledging the trickery that goes into sequences. Right. 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 And, and But then also, like, there is... It's almost highlighting that in a lot of the sequence, there is no trickery. No, he's not doing this type of shit. Right. This right. is not. This is not sleight of hand. Like right. He's, this he's, is what my competitors would do. Right. Right. You know when he when he leaps into the wind and is blown backwards and falls flat on his back and then gets up. That's really happening. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's uh, intense. Um. I mean, they have these wind machines. I guess is how they do it. But still, it's intense. Were they just really big fans? There's like the you know building falling down right the uh, not the one on him but like the big kind of fake town set starting mm -hmm. to crumble right the fish palace falls in the water and all that stuff the like library, there's a lot of destruction like, yeah. crumbles the uh, hospital everyone like running out of the hospital they six Liberty Motor wind machines is what they were called the cyclone scene alone cost a third of the movie's total budget 
which was estimated between three hundred four hundred thousand. I would have unclear. thought it was craft services. Um, <laughs> that was the right, other. Oh right, it's the, the hospital the blows thing. away, and then you see everyone in the beds, including him. Yeah, and then the bed blows gag, away. Yes, and then the bed blows. Away. It's a good gag, but it's something like you could only imagine seeing it in a cartoon. It's actually how did they pull that house away? Right. It's it's astonishing. Right, it's astonishing. and not only are, do you feel like I could only imagine seeing that in a cartoon, the cartoons you've seen that in came after this. Look, everything about this motion picture yeah. is perfect, as yes. far as I'm concerned. Yes. It's, the plot is sound, the, emotion, the emotional core is beyond sound, mm -hmm. it's visually stunning in its quiet moments. When he shows up at the, at the prison with that loaf of bread and he's got that upturned uh, uh, umbrella yeah. and he's standing in the doorway, feels like an Ing Ingmar Bergman scene. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like this omen of death. Uh, and then you have this whole sequence, which is utterly thrilling. Right. Utterly astonishing. On every level, like it's an incredible action sequence. It's a credible feat of technical filmmaking. There are incredible gags within it. It works as and special effects, as as actual uh, thrilling suspense, as comedy. And it's in service uh, to the core story ultimately because mm -hmm. the father is in jail and the jail is flooding. Yes. And he's got to save his father. And so it's not just stuff happening, right? right. It's it's a it's a true impediment to the, the emotional journey of the story. Yes. And yet, and it's also bananas and incredible to look at. This film was not a hit. This film was uh, no, not a hit. not at all. No. So yeah. here's my question: What the fuck is wrong with people? I don't know what well, the fuck is wrong with people. There's I, a point in this point where he grabs onto a tree for safety, and the wind is so insane that the tree is lifted out of its roots, and he flies. Yeah. What is wrong with people that they did not love this film? He shuts a door, and the house just falls apart into pieces of wood. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. There's really, really good bits. Do you think the house would have killed him? If Here's it happened? It was a because two, it, it was two if tons. If it had fallen, you're saying? what I read. Two yeah. tons? Yeah. The, the facade weighed two tons. Fuck. That is... I think, the house, have, I think the house would have killed because him. Because you look at it and you're sort of like, well, it's a thin wall. Mm -hmm. Maybe he could have just kind of broken it or whatever. But like... But balsa would, would not have fallen as... Yeah, and also, like, you're like, it's a wall. Like, you know, it's heavy. Yeah. It, yeah. Maybe yeah, it's not two tons. I mean, I read that on the internet, so who knows? Internet stories, right? But I don't think that it would have. I don't think he would have loved it. <laughs> you don't think he would have loved it? You don't think he would have got off on it? No. Uh, I mean, and, also, and when it falls, and it's like, yeah, it falls and he doesn't die. He also doesn't flinch. No. Like, he's still in character looking around yes. in, a, in a befuddled state his, his, after, the, after the thing works. His mark for that was a nail in the ground. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right. That's why whenever I act, I insist... Only nails. Only nails. Um, no marking tape. Yeah. Take that tape away. Yeah. Did you get my box of nails? Which color would you want to be, John? Nails. Steel. My color is steel. Nails. The other thing I love, though, is like he becomes heroic at the end of the movie, but in a way that well, doesn't feel like... People get tired of that. Also, I missed my mark. <laughs> Can't see it. It's Every time. There are a lot of nails on this floor. House <laughs> always falls on me. Uh, he becomes heroic at the end of the movie in a way that doesn't feel like an unrealistic, oh, suddenly he's become fucking Ethan Hunt. You're right. like, he just becomes kind of practical. Right. He figures it out. He saves the two people who mean the most to him. And the scene in which he, in, in which his father teaches him to run the boat and he mm. messes up five times or whatever, yeah. because he's got that one lever. Yes. Pays off yes. because he uses that lever to run the boat properly later on in his own unique college boy way of, of you know, running the boat solo with, with lines of rope. Yeah. And so again, it's like, it's 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 built in. None of it is out of nowhere. 
Uh, he's a little bit better at it. He's not great. He's not great yeah. at it. But it's enough so that you feel like, as you say, that it's perfectly believable within the world of the movie. It's just terrific. And I just have to imagine that people in 1928 were so high on bitters and wood alcohol being injected into their... Being Drinking injected, too much birch beer. Yeah, being injected into the into the bags under their eyes. The they couldn't of see that this was a really good movie. Yeah. Well, let me try and give you some... some. Let's see if there's any... Is there any record of Obviously, the other like, movies One huge issue is this time? movie cost too much money. Yes, there is yeah. a record, and we will talk about that. Um, uh, there's also, you know, again, ongoing creative issues mm. happening behind the scenes, a lot of fighting, uh, over, uh, this disaster sequence and all that. But, um, mm -hmm. basically early into making the movie also, uh, Joe Skank and Keaton fight over this idea of supervisors, right? These uh -huh. supervisors after sure. the, after the credit for brand on college. Yeah. Uh, and Skank is like, you're done, man. Like, you're not going to make any more Buster Keaton movies. Right. Like, without that. And basically, right. like, you know, uh, they split up and Skank says, look, maybe you should go to MGM. Like, maybe shut down Keaton Productions. Mm -hmm. Like, they have the money, right? It'll be a different vibe for you there. Uh, there's a lot of fighting within the biographies over, like, to what extent Skink would sort of like made money from that, you know, like to what sure. extent, like that's an altruistic suggestion from him or more of a like, you know, property. What, you know, you get but, what I'm but saying. We'll never, feel... we'll never fully know how Skank was, how skanky Skank was. We don't, we'll never know the full Skank scale of Joe no. Skank. But, but I do think it's similar to like a dynamic we've covered before on the podcast. that's come up with, with different filmmakers, but almost like Zemeckis with like his motion capture shit where people go like, you're done. Robert, you're done. If you want to, if you want to make movies, you have to drop this shit. Right. And he would come back every time and go like, "The last twenty minutes of my movie are going to be set in the center of a hurricane." And they're like, "No, go to college." <laughs> you know, oh, all of this sort boy. of like technical complication. But I mean, like, this, it's like machine. it's like Verhoeven with the Nazis. Yeah. He's like Steamboat Bill Jr. What's it about? I get on a boat with uh, my dad. We're on a boat. Okay, you're on a boat. That sounds fine. At the end, there's a hurricane. <laughs> right. <laughs> But we destroy a town. I'm just being like, Buster, this is over. If you want to be in movies, there's a path for you to keep making movies. You're not doing shit this way anymore. Um, so Buster decides to switch to MGM, which he describes as the worst mistake of his career. And we can obviously talk about that next week. But we will. Um, ultimately, the film just didn't do that well. It did okay again. Mm -hmm. It did it doubled its budget. Okay. It made about 700 in worldwide rentals, 700 mm -hmm. grand. So I don't think that it's like a bomb per se. I do think it should that, have been an enormous hit. Right. Well, I and I also just think that times do be a changing a little. I bit, was right? alive then, and I was saying at the <laughs> you time, remember. Yeah. this should be an enormous hit. That was back when I would record my my movie podcast on wax cylinders. Yes, with an old River Tramp as my producer. Oh, hello, <laughs> Judge John Hartman here. <laughs> Send in your questions via message line, Brookline, Massachusetts. Hodgman has seen another impeccable film. You do question though, where you're just like, was he just like too ahead of the curve? Yeah. Did this just not make sense to people what he was doing? Is this like people are getting freaked out because the because the trains coming kind towards of. the camera? Like I'm just I'm you know, I'm having this play on my iPad as we're talking and I'm looking at this final sequence and you're looking at these like huge vistas of like a town getting flooded and a house just like bobbing along next side it and this woman hanging on for dear life and him swinging like an anchor. And were people just like, this isn't funny. This is just like big. Right. 
Well, I mean, and the general ends on that huge spectacle of the, or it doesn't end on, but yeah, there's the the very expensive spectacle of the train, you know, going off the burning bridge or whatever. Too, they were like, "What is this shit?" Right, not funny, like you know, in a traditional sense. Yeah, but people have always gone to film for spectacle, and the and the and the and the look. The hurricane is funny. You have to stop arguing with. The box, the ticket goes well, 100 I years ago. They, I understand. Just, I've been having this argument for 100 years since I saw it. A in full the century. Um, it's just funny that now you cannot make a, like a film comedy without this degree of spectacle. And the spectacle is bad. And back then, he would give you the most artful sort of marriage of the two. And people would be like, get your spectacle out of my comedies. Um, and they would also more. say, get your spectacle out of my soup. Because the guy dropped. Classes. Well, yes. I might. Course. I no. might go. I might agree with you, Griffin, on this element, which is that you know, like young John Hodgman mm-hmm. of real life, which is coming to CBS this fall. Yes, that's what they renamed Young Hodgman at Yale because they didn't find that to be. Uh, <laughs> they didn't find that to be accessible. That's not their audience. <laughs> yeah. Little hoity-toity. Yeah, little hoity. That's what that was the name of my character actually. Little, little hoity-toity. <laughs> <laughs> it's like shouldn't it be Hodgman? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the thing. No. His name is Little Hoity-toity. It's like the Bob Newhart. We never show. explain. We never explain who Young Hodgman yeah. is. Right. Yeah. Right. His name's not Newhart in the show. Yeah. They're like, uh, yeah, no, no, thank you. You're not. We're not no. doing this. And the last third is a hurricane. But the point I'm saying is mm-hmm. this: what uh, 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 Young Hodgman seeing this. I didn't understand. I didn't understand what I was seeing for sure. sure. Like yeah. I didn't get how hard it was to make this go. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the fragility of the human body the way I do now. That my body is right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And everyone agreed with me. This the, look, the that that kid with the with the Doctor Who scarf and the fedora. It's a great obvi- body on that kid. Obviously, an Adonis. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, take t- take off those big pants. I want to see those incredibly well formed calves. Nothing's breaking him. Yeah, exactly. So. But I, I, I guess it's maybe it was too big to take to take in to like for a lot of audiences. It took a couple decades for like movies to catch up with him, and now we look at him, we're like, how did he make this a hundred years ago? Right. Um, CGI, I guess, is the answer. Right. Early CGI. Yeah. Yeah. Buster Keaton. Oh yeah. So the film just you know look, Variety called it a pip of a comedy. That's good. It's not a pip. But the New York it's Times a, called a, it a gloomy and sorry affair. Jesus. Yeah, well. Bodied. Notor- notoriously on the money again. Mordaunt Hall is the critic back then. His Mordaunt name is Mordaunt. Hall? <laughs> yes, Mordaunt Hall. M-O-R-D-A-N-T? Mordant? You're correct. Correct. M- meaning morbid? <laughs> yes, I would say so. Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe look at yourself, Mordaunt. The, the taglines were very twister focused. Uh-huh. Hold on, everybody. It's a hurricane of laughs. Right. Uh This one, the screen's first big Mississippi thriller. The Sheik of Muddy Waters. Uh, Did you say this year's first big Mississippi thriller? Correct. Uh, The screens. I'm sorry. What a thrill. Worth the the price of admission alone to see what happened to Buster when the twister hits the town. Here are the two most interesting ones. Buster's gayest comedy opus simply bursting with gals, guile, and gales of laughter. And then uh, here, here's one that talk about kind of laying it on a little thick. I agree. Opinion. Talk about Buster being ahead of his time in, in terms of uh, predicting the genres. Fun, fast and furious. 
Oh. oh. And I am actually ready to announce we saw Fast X last night that, of course, Buster Keaton is in Fast X. That's right. Yeah. He which appears. Incredible. Makes him all the more you stunning should, that I thought it was the worst movie you I've ever seen. You should have had that role. You yeah. should have had the Buster Keaton. I should Keaton have had Dom's like, yeah. oh, we got one more guy to help us. And then the Steamboat Bill Jr. or whatever, right. you know, uh, comes I'm in. I'm sitting there with my arms crossed. Still isn't working for me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care. Yeah. It's not CGI. They've actually brought yeah, him Vin back Diesel from turns, the dead. He's like, I, he's alive. He's alive. <laughs> he's literally alive. Yeah. I've plucked him from the time. And Vin Diesel turns to the camera and he's like, Griffin, he can hang out with you after this. <laughs> he wants to. Yeah, he, he heard about your podcast. He thinks and you're likes cool. it. He liked draft day. <laughs> yeah, he thought he liked your uh, gag with the coffee and was mad. Sorry it was cut out. It wasn't in the movie. Mm. Has watched the trailer many times. Anyway, all right, all right. Fast X sucks. Let's do the, um, okay. Yeah, tell me what Box people were interested Here's in what besides people, this because movie. Because Steamboat Bill Jr. is opening at 10. Jesus. Whoa. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, number one is a new film this week. So this is a rival new release. Swing. Rival new release <laughs> that is making three times as much money. It's making a, a searing 128 grand wow. over Steamboat Bill's 43. Okay, give me a genre. It's a silent drama from the great British uh, director Alexander Corda. The oh, Drapes wow. of London. Is it, is it a, a literary adaptation? Uh, don't think so. Uh, it looks like it's a sort of, uh, you know... He's a he's a fancy man and she's a lady. Uh it's Billy Dove and Clive Brook. Those are the actors. Those are the actors. Okay. Uh Clive Brook, a famous uh, British silent actor of the mm. time. Uh the film is called The Yellow Lily. Mm. The Yellow Lily. Mm. Um, Hard to say. No good. Bad title. <laughs> All right. Now number two at the box office. It's a silent drama. This one's based on a novel. Okay. Uh, it stars Dolores Del Rio, who uh -huh. I know pretty well known. She's a yeah. Mexican actress, a yeah. uh, very important uh, figure mm -hmm. in Mexican cinema. Um, also, Warner Baxter, okay, uh, who is best known for playing the Cisco Kid for uh, in Old Arizona, which he won an Oscar for. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's directed by Edwin Carew. Okay, Edwin Carew, and it and is it a literary adaptation. Uh, yes, and it looks like it's sort of a it's a western, and uh, the lead character, who is the title character of the film, she's half Native American, and there's a whole romantic, you know, drama about this. If you say the title romance. of this film, will you be canceled? No, it okay. is called. I don't want to guess for fear of. It, being it is actually for it has it has the, the the title is the name of one of our mutual friends. She's been on this show. Fran Hoffner. Fran Hoffner. No, it would be great. If that's what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Yoshida. <laughs> no, the, the name of the film is <laughs> Hodgman here, Dateline, Brooklyn, Massachusetts. Run. Don't walk to see Fran Hoffner in Fran Hoffner. Uh, the film is called Ramona. Oh, Ramona. Ramona. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, number three at the box office. Also new this week. It's a comedy. Huh. A flapper masquerades as her straight-laced cousin to try and impress a potential suitor. That's a good premise. Oh. So she's trying to be like, she's always trying to be flappery, and then she's like, I can't be, can't, yeah, can't this, flap. The straight-laced straight flapper. Uh, she's got to pretend to be a normie, a trad wife. The Norm actress is Lois Norma Moran. the normie. Norma the normie? Uh, Lois Moran and Neil Hamilton are the stars of Don't Marry. That's the full title? That's the title. I think this one sounds fun. That Don't sounds like a pip of a comedy. Yeah. That's a pip. That's, that that's sounds a pip. Now, uh, this next film is a horror film, oh. which is funny because the title of it kind of sounds like a comedy title. Uh, directed by Frank Tuttle. The Hilarious um, Murderer. <laughs> uh, starring Esther Ralston. Death Comes a Laughing. Uh, 
let's see. It's about a thrill-seeking socialite engaged to a bland, proper Englishman. Uh, and he wants her to, to purge her of her thrill-seeking ways. Okay. So he arranges for her to spend a night in a haunted house Ooh. to frighten the audacity out of her. Oh, wow. Sure. Unknown to him, this mansion's being used as a hideout for, uh-oh, an oriental mastermind of the uh, crime world? Uh-oh. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, um, the uh, film is called Something Always Happens. <laughs> Which I assume is sort of a promise of, like, every five minutes, like, yeah. there'll be something new. Uh, something a real roller coaster. Happens. Hearing that movie described, the the genre of criminals using a fake haunted house to hide yeah. out in uh, recurs yes. all the time, and we got to bring that back. It's been too long. It's been too long. Yeah, that was a good one. Well, well, uh, well. You know, we should write it into the hilarious murderer. Yes. Um, number five, right, Ben? Right, River Tramp? Uh, yes. Number five at the box office is. I was trying to a, think of a River Trampian thing to say, but yeah, I don't nothing came know. to mind. You got time to define yeah. the character. Maybe I'll put in a horn, it. but I'll make it sound wet. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, number five is a part talking. Part talking. So, uh, which means huh. it basically has a musical score. It has sound effects. It doesn't okay. have talking. Okay. Um, uh, so it's more of a soundy. It's more of a soundy. Yes. Uh, this is a lost film. Okay. Mm. No Prince Known to Exist stars Dolores Costello, more interestingly, directed by Michael Curtis, who, of oh, course, directed oh. a little film you may have heard of called Casablanca, Casablanca. Casa along with Angels uh, with Dirty Faces and yes. uh, one billion other films. Right. A Hungarian Co written by Brookline's own The Epstein Brothers. Uh, no. Uh, oh, well, Casablanca was, yes. yes. Um, but uh, no, this film was not. But um, I'm going to. Yes. Uh, it's the name of the film is the name of a, a neighborhood in New York that doesn't really exist anymore, but sort of a classic name for like Little Italy, like classic name for like um, uh, the sort of tough neighborhood. Hell's Kitchen, like that. But no, the film is the called Gasworks Town. Great guess. Skid Row. Skid that, that's a good guess too. Skid but Row. no, it's called Tenderloin. Oh, oh sure. Sure, 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 sure. Back sure. when they were kind of like, yep. hey, this part of town kind of looks like a tenderloin. If you draw a map. Yeah, and if you go there, you get murdered. What happens there? Brutal murder. They'll take your money and your life. Uh, yeah, it's called Tenderloin. Okay. She's a dancer in the Tenderloin district. Uh, and then a gang, a, a, a kid in a gang likes her. Mm. And uh, they get, uh, they get, you Right know, side of the track. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so... I'm going to say this right now. That's one through nine? That's one through five. One through five. All those movies suck. Uh, some other films, so it seems... We've you, got know what, you know that one that's lost? Good. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. It's lost because you threw it in the fucking garbage. <laughs> um, no, some other films. Uh, 1928 film called Skyscraper, starring, I'm seeing here, the uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Directed by Ross Marshall Thurber. Suck Scraper is what I call that. Uh, best known for being uh, initially written by Ayn Rand. Uh, oh, wow. Back when yeah. she was in Hollywood. Uh, and that was uh, Buster wanted to make his skyscraper movie. And he's he getting sure beaten did. at the box office by some fucking also Rand. Uh, you also have a, <laughs> also Rand? a reissue also Rand. of the film The White Sister, which has come up in prior box White, offices. Uh -huh. White Suckster. <laughs> <laughs> you have um, a film with a great title that I think we should remake this film immediately mm -hmm. called Glorious Betsy. Oh, that's her like, story. I don't know. She sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, Sucky is sucksty. And, <laughs> and then a, another great title. Damn. I mean, this would be a fucking great title to this day. Uh, a crime drama called 
Diamond Handcuffs. Great title. No plot details on that one. Yeah, that doesn't suck. No, that's pretty fucking cool, actually. All of this is in the public domain, right? I mean, this is all I think. Yeah, we can take this. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of wild how few proper Buster remakes there have been for how many of the premises just feel like, well, that's just like a perfect comedy setup. Yeah, no, no, 100%. I mean, look, anything with identity switcheroos or yep. I have to pretend to be an ex when I yes. like I have to pretend to be fancy when I'm poor or the other way around always. like I'm always like always works it's pretty good you get a good performer or in it's the role. like he's a real straight laced buzzard and she's a wild cat you know I'm just like okay the buzzard right. and the cat yes. buzzard and the cat um uh yeah you know that doesn't that sound good yeah it sounds great all right so that's Steamboat Bill Jr. and Loops it is of trying. course sadly the end of Buster's real independent era yeah um, but I do think it is a triumph. I do think it's very, very good. I know I that's too. not like a hot I, take. I do too. And and uh, to prevent people from thinking that uh, the, the remaining episode is just going to be some downer postscript, uh, Cameraman, which is his first MGM film, is my personal favorite. Yes. I, I have never seen it. I, and I look I forward to it watching is, it and listening along. It, it is an incredibly simple, straightforward film, but I think it is an absolute uh, triumph. And we're not ending this series on a fucking downer note. No, I mean you don't love spite marriage as much, right? Like that. No, I don't love it as much, kinda... but it's fine. It's it's enjoyable. Right. Yeah, it's better than college. Now, before we end the episode, could mm. we do a quick merch spotlight? Sure. Do you guys? That's okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to do it? So here? I have okay. this package here that we got delivered kind of a while ago. Now this isn't. Do a you merch... recall what this is, David? By this isn't a traditional merch no spotlight idea. where we often talk about merchandise that was manufactured specifically for that movie, of which it's, this it's is, hard to find. The, oh, so this is Steamboat Bill Junior merchandise. This is more general Buster Keaton series merchandise. Ben oh. went down a rabbit hole and decided he needed to own one of these. Uh oh. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to spend the company's money wisely. Yeah. And get something that really is useful for the show. And, and is of see, interest, of course. Let's see if David or John can identify what this is. Is it a bottle of wood alcohol and bitters? Gotta be real bad. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna take my time then. Whoa! It's a it's a thing that makes noise. It's a clapper. Oh! Why did we uh, Why did we talk about that again? That does ring a bell. Because the called? kind of comedy that he performs. Yeah. Slapstick. Slapstick. Oh, and that's right. what this is. That's, oh, it's so annoying. That's a literal slapstick. $500. This cost. It looks this like is pretty well made, you yeah, know? It is. It's sturdy. Yeah, but this is actually vintage. Really? Yeah. So what year? Uh, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I remember when, oh. when that was new. Look, not to, not to turn this into a giant merchandise spotlight, but I, uh, John, I bought a present for you. What? I did tell you this somewhat recently. We got lunch with our friend Brendan Hines. I don't get the slapstick? Cast. I told you, just make sure I don't forget well, you get to, to... You're going to sign it. Can I try it? Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, but jo- John, uh, in addition to being a, a, a good friend of mine and a friend of the podcast... I, it, and of Ben's and David's of as course. well. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there are three times I clocked in the last uh, two years. I have gone to you and went, John, we came up with a dumb bit. Would you do this? Yes. Will you record an entire uh, alternate audio track for the they sunglasses live. on version of They Live? Correct. I was very happy to do that. Uh, we came up with this idea. I'm asking you to do it now. But we've already set it up, right? 
and like uh, in the Coraline episode, I yeah. said we had this bit where we found a door in the studio and JD went through the door and you're recording an alternate episode. Would you just do this? Yeah. All three times I, I didn't go, hey, do you have any ideas? I went, here's an idea. Can you execute this? Right. And then for our, our live show at the Brooklyn Opera House, you were the phantom of the opera. Very good. For that. First guess. Thank you. Yes. Uh, sort of I had a very tone. nice time. You've been yeah. so amenable and you've, you've been so kind every time I, I throw one of these things out. You go, but of course, and you, you over deliver that I felt the need to to repay you with something that I know you want and oh. I've known you want and any of our listeners this know dead to rights that very kind. you have wanted. You did hint that, that something was coming, but I don't know what it is. And it's not a guess of a gift. Shall, I, shall I open it? Please. It's, it's here, it's packaged in a, it has Japanese this on the This was shipped box. from Japan. Shipped from Japan. This was shipped from Japan. Oh my gosh. Very well wrapped bubble wrap. Let me make sure to do this on mic because people love this sound. Sure. Because this is a little bit more of an antique. I'm going to add a little mouth sound yeah, as well. I, yeah. I didn't like when, Chew he, a little when bit. he did the opening of the package. And this is a regular segment, by the way. Uh, bubble wrap. Oh. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's a Playmobil set that I've long had my eye on. Of course. I know what this is. Then we talked about this on our Master Builder episode. On correct? our Master Builder episode. Where we had a 40-minute digression on the Playmobil movie. Uh -huh. A truly forgotten piece of content. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's, it's the it's the uh <laughs> the Austrian police officer slash soldier yes. from an earlier century <laughs> arresting a tramp. Yes. A wino uh, passed out on a park bench. On a park it's, bench. It's, it's Eric Adams' favorite Playmobil <laughs> Yes. <laughs> He's trying to put one on every street. Keeping owner. the streets clean. Yeah. Number 5508, five, Mint in Box. Mint in Box. Wow. Straight from well, Japan. I'm not going, to, op I'm not going yeah. to open it up. Well, the box is the real art, I think. The box is beautiful. Yeah. Number 5508. Oh, and also, I don't need to open it because as it says right here, contents is shown. Oh, you know, <laughs> take their word for it. Uh, that's very kind. Thank you very much. I wonder, I'll have to research what era this is supposed to be, because this, this police officer has a big old Napoleon hat with a big a big feather on it. I think it was manufactured in the 70s. I don't know what year the Playmobil no, no, set is No, I'm just wondering when it's supposed in, to be era set. But yes, set, right, right. Sure. Arresting a vagrant, Playmobil style. Thank you very much. Right, well, I, I have to say thank you again for inviting me to rewatch uh, the, one of my favorite movies and also watch now one of my least favorite movies. <laughs> now you know. Uh, but the favorite one was a real favorite to rewatch. It's been a while and I got to share it with someone I care about and um, it was uh, terrific. And I think it holds up and I think it's better than those other fucking movies. I agree. The rest and of the box office was I'm trash. really, really mad yeah. uh, still, even 100 years later. It's terrific. David needs to pee. I do need to pee very badly. Great. And we gotta go. We're, we gotta be done. You all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media helping to produce the show. Thank you to Ben for ordering this slapstick. In the trash. <laughs> this will be great at a, at a uh, at the picket line for the WGA. Oh, party. that's smart. Yeah, yeah. sure. Oh, and them. they would love that. Oh, Don't they'd love immediately. it. Immediately. Zazzlov will go fine. Whatever they want. To put the fucking slapstick. You like down. this, Zazzy? <laughs> That's what we. That's what we gotta do. We gotta raz Zazzy until no, he gives up. Raz Zaz. We gotta raz Zaz. Uh, thank you to AJ McKeon, Alex Barron for our editing, Lay Montgomery in the Great American Novel for our theme song, <laughs> Joe Bowen, Pat Reynolds for our artwork, JJ Birch for our research. David is storming off in protest. Uh, tune in next week for Cameraman and Spite Marriage. 
Um, you could go over to Patreon. You can. We're still journeying through the Planet of the Apes. We... You a fan of that series? Well, I like the first one. You should watch the sequels. I've seen the sequels. They're great. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a okay. fan. I mean, yes, yes. The answer is yes. I'm okay. a fan. Okay, I'm a fan. I wasn't I wasn't sure. Well, it's been my pleasure to do all those bits for you, and and as you say, you do just give me a prompt, and then I just do whatever I feel like doing. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've loved it. So, um, also in this box that you gave me with the Playmobil is my check in here or something. Yes, or, yes, yeah, right. a blank check. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we people pull in Playmobiles, not money. It's a very clear system here. I appreciate it. And 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 as always. I think that slapstick is going to be a regular part of every on-mic discussion. What was the slapstick used for? In the so it it would simulate getting hit on your bottom. Oh. So you swing it right, and you don't actually connect with the person's bum, right? But the the board behind it makes the noise. It's a bum paddle. Yeah. Nice. <laughs>